warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 338. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's mix it, clean it, erase it, left and break it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, yeah, we're the leftovers, Jake. That's what we are. That is what we are. You know, yet again, we're not alone this week. I'm just going to let the guests join in right away. I got, I got a little silly banter for you before we start, Jake. We I usually do that. Do you like that? Do you like that? Do you want me to do that? Would that make you feel I better? Fan, but I think it would be awkward if you did it now. I could do it now. Awkward. Yeah. I, I mean, I can work with awkward. <laughs> it's a skill set. I work with awkward every other week. It depends on the guest. Depends on the guest, huh? How much <laughs> awkward you bring? No, it depends on the guest making it awkward. No. Ah, that was awkward. We did it. Let's move on. We've got to be- <laughs> <laughs> We got Joe Stark. Welcome, Joe Stark from Starkcast and one of my co-hosts on Number One Comic Books. How you doing? Oh, I'm so stoked to be here. And, dude, if you want awkward, I can make things awkward. <laughs> it's like a superpower. You know what's really awkward is, here's the thing, I can't get too loud this episode. I'm not recording from home this week. Oh. I'm sharing walls. I'm, I'm, I'm in St. Louis. I'm meeting with a friend. And this, I've never, I'm in an Airbnb, and I've never heard of this before. They have a noise alarm on the wall here. What? I, don't, I think it, I think that's what I'm looking at over here, and it's scaring the shit out of me because I because <laughs> I'm drinking vodka tonight. I'm drinking the blue Tahoe that uh, Yaden sent me. Thank you, Yaden. I'm drinking that, so things might get a little weird, and I might get a little loud, and I'm worried about this this said noise alarm. I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah, I wonder, does that measure like decibels? Does it have a meter on it or it's just an alarm? It's just, it's, I don't know if this is what I'm looking at, but it's just like a white box and it's got like a speaker in it. And I don't know if like if I hit like a certain decibel level, 
if like this little red light will come on and I'll, I'll be like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I said That's it our will... challenge, Joe. We have to say things that's really going to get Brian really I said it all. Set off. Thing off. I don't know, man. I, like, I'm worried about being too loud right now. This is weird. It's weird. I don't know. You do feel subdued. I do. I do. I feel, I, yeah, I have this entire time. I don't, maybe as I get more comfortable in the episode, <laughs> it'll, it'll be better. But I don't know, man. It's weird. It's fucking, I don't know. Robot overlord looking over your shoulder. <laughs> now, what, what I'm fascinated with, with is what led this bed and breakfast to put these in? Is, is it like an anti-loud fucking alarm? Uh, they're worried about parties here. That was like, that was like uh, a big deal. Like when I got sent the email, like me, you're not there to party, are you? Not there to party. And I, I, I just, all I did was like, quote back that entire beastie boy song you gotta <laughs> fight for your right no it was it's just like they're worried about parties but i mean me by myself podcasting it can be a one-man party and i'm worried about that i was gonna say i have faith that you can be loud as loud as an entire party mm-hmm. that is <laughs> true that is that is true yeah that is very true um yeah uh, guess what last week i did some pissing and moaning about the itunes reviews and I'm telling you, actually get some? here's the thing. Here's the thing. I pissed and I moaned and, you know, I whined and I cried. And here's the thing. And I got down, I got on our, on our listeners, you know, about, hey, you let me down and nobody did the contest thing and blah, blah, blah and all this shit. I'm going to tell you one thing. For the most part, we have the best listeners in podcasting. The best listeners in podcasting. They've done so many incredible things for me and you. Jake, and then like a lot of them, you know, talking to him on the Discord felt really bad. And man, maybe I jumped, maybe I jumped the gun a little bit. The contest had only been open maybe ten days, and here I, here I am, shutting that shit down, just getting angry. <laughs> so you know what? They came uh, through. So the listeners kind of made you feel a bit guilty after the fact. Huh? A little bit, little bit, and they came through this week, Jake. They came through with the iTunes reviews. Okay, they're not coming through with Jaws injuries. That shit's mine. Yeah, oh, no, you're still getting that. Don't even worry about that. <laughs> anyway, they came through with the iTunes review. I think we got six this week. I think we got six. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That might be a record. It might be. It might be a record. Uh, let's see here. We got, let me, let me play the iTunes review song. Here we go. It's First iTunes review comes from, uh, <laughs> comes, comes from Vagine Face. Or Vagine Face. I, lo- I love, I kind of love it, Jake. Vagine Face. Word. Thank God there's not a number at the end of it. Vagine Face. V-A-J-I-N-E Face. Vagine Face. Got a vagina face. One of our one of our listeners' iTunes handles vagina face. Did you also mention we have the most mature listeners of all podcasting? We do, we do. Uh, it's titled Four Hours Plus, and it goes on to say it's a five star. Goes on to say I love this. And that's all. That's all. Vagina face felt like right in that day. I guess <laughs> vagina face maybe had a yeast infection or something. 
<laughs> I like it. Shortened to the point. Shortened to the point. Thank you, Vagine Face. Really, I love, best part of that review is your fucking name. Vagine Face. <laughs> and next one comes from Lou, 1492, at Rhymes. Yeah, that's the Columbus year, right? Yeah, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. 2020, we're ripping his statue down. <laughs> Doesn't really rhyme as well. No, not really. <laughs> uh, let's see here. What do we got? It's titled Gold, I Tell Ya. And it's a uh, five star. It goes on to say, uh, Brian's voice reminds me of Heather's era Christian Slater at times. And Jake is like a cool version of Ed McMahon to his Johnny Carson. Thanks, guys, for all the entertainment. Remember, what was that show Ed McMahon was on with uh, Dick Clark? Remember Bloopers and Practical Jokes? Yeah, TV's oh, Bloopers yeah. and Practical Jokes. No, oh, I loved that show when I was a kid. It was like a special yeah, night. Yeah, it was like a special night when it came on. Because it didn't come on all the time. It wasn't like a weekly thing. It was just like every great once in a while they'd do that special. And I'd be like, oh, my God, TV's Bloopers and Practical Jokes. And I loved it. Oh, God, I loved it. And they were just so, where, so charismatic. That's where you had to go, like pre-internet, you know, because now it's all fail videos, and you can get that mm-hmm. pretty much on twenty-four-seven. But mm-hmm. you know, back then it was shows like that, or or America's Funniest Home Videos when that first came out with Bob Saget. Oh, that was huge, huge, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Bloopers was more like a punk kind of show, though, right? Where they were like setting up like yeah, B, C list celebrities to do stupid stuff. Yeah, it was like uh, Charo thinks she's going to be sleeping with her husband, but in all actuality, Dick Clark's in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that scenario. Coochie, 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 coochie. Yeah, remember that? Remember she, that was a thing. The little baby talk. The little coochie, coochie. That's the coochie, only coo- thing about Charo I know. I, I, I have no idea what else Charo is known for. What did she do? What did Charo do? Just have big boobs? She was on, like, the match game, like the old ones. Yeah, but, like, something brought her to the match game. They just don't have, <laughs> you know, rando... Coochie-coochie stuff, I think. I guess. I mean, like, something brought her there. They they got somewhat semi-celebrities on that show. <laughs> it's not like you just don't start off on match game. <laughs> I always thought some of those people did just start off on match game. I know. I've never seen any, any of them anywhere do anything else. You know what I mean? Like I, I couldn't. Uh, like who's who's? I don't know. I can't even think. Of, what's what's the one guy? Yeah, fuck it. Moving I keep on. thinking Hollywood Squares, and I keep thinking of fucking uh, Jim J. Bullock. Jim J. Bullock was on. Uh, he was on a show called Too Close for Comfort that I loved. Oh, I loved that show. It was uh, the guy from uh, what was it? Caddyshack was in it. Ted Knight. Oh. It was Ted Knight <laughs> show. Ted Knight. Yeah, it was Ted Knight show. Ted Knight died in like the fourth season or something. Then it got canceled because he was dead. But I <laughs> that'll do it. Jim J. Bullock played what was his name? Oh my god, I can't remember his character's name. But his character was a, got raped by two two women in an episode. This, this I'm not was an eighty show. Yeah, I am not making this up. You can Google it. I promise you, it's called. Uh, Two girls for one guy or something like that. Or 
Yeah, one guy for two girls or two girls in a cup. I can't remember what the episode was called, but it was, <laughs> it was, I'm not even, I'm not even joking. It's implied that he was raped by these women. And this was in Too Close for Comfort. Yes, it was in Too Close for Comfort. Google it, man. I'm telling you the truth. I'm trying. It's an odd thing to Google. <laughs> what, what are we Googling here? Two girls, one cup? <laughs> Don't Google that. <laughs> Oh, I've gone this far with never seeing it. I've just had it described, and I'm I'm okay with that. Make sure you have your ad blocker on. <laughs> you haven't found anything, Jake? No, I'm reading now. I'm reading the history of the show too close for comfort, and I'm a little bit over it. Oh, it's a it's a great fucking show. Oh, uh, it could be, but probably seeing the performances is, is are better than reading the wiki. Too close. I'm gonna. Here we go. Too slow, close for comfort. Rape. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here it is. Too close for comfort. For every man, there's a there's two women. And it was the title of the episode. Uh, it goes. Uh, uh, yeah, conceived as a vehicle. I'm not gonna get it. Jim J. Bullock played himself in the show. No, he didn't. He his character had a name, Monroe. Says here, Jim he, J. Bullock starring as himself, Jim J. Bullock. Early in two, he played Monroe. His name was Monroe. I'm looking. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, well, someone sucks on Wikipedia. Here. Somebody totally <laughs> sucks. Update this clue too close for comfort. Comfort injury. <laughs> for every man was shot as part of too close for comfort's fourth season in 1984. So it didn't air until July 20th of 1985. The episode gets right down to business. Henry, Muriel, Jackie, and Sarah worry when they get a call from Monroe's boss saying that he didn't show up for a shift as a security guard at the mall. Just when Monroe stumbles through the front door, disheveled, and tells Henry that he'd been kidnapped, Henry assumes Monroe was snatched by a gang of brawny men, but Monroe abashedly says that he was nabbed by two women. The little one drove the van while the big one sat on him. They demanded he cooperate, and Monroe cooperated all night. Jackie and Sarah confused by this, what this could mean, but Henry explains that these women desired Monroe and, quote, helped themselves. It's implied that he was raped in the episode, Jake. That's some edgy stuff for 1985. Yeah, they made it it all laughs, though. It was all laughs. They turned it into, like, a joke. Like, even the women were men dressed up as women. I don't think I've ever seen an episode of Too Close for Comfort. Oh, God, I used to. I loved it when I was a kid. I absolutely loved it. Lydia, what was her name? Lydia something. She was blonde. I was in love with Cornell. her. Lydia Cornell. Oh, I was in love with her when I was a kid. Uh, she's oh, she's gorgeous now. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we got, uh, yeah, we talked about Monroe getting raped. Uh, we're off to a great start. Um <laughs> Uh, this one comes from Scott321707. It's titled, We're Listening. It's a five star. I love this podcast. Been listening for over three years and it's my go-to for anything, movies or TV. Brian and Jake, your hosts, make this one of the most informative and funny podcasts out there. The episodes are long and they get off track often, but I love the many roads they take. This is not for everyone, but if you love your movie and TV information mixed with fun talk between friends, then this is the podcast for you, and you have found your next podcast to listen to. Thank you for all the time and hard work. 
you put into the show, and that comes from Scott three two one seven zero seven. That's a very nice review. I like it. it. It really gets to the point. You know, it's not for mm-hmm. everyone. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. an important step. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> I Next. thought that was a great review. Did you, Joe? Nobody asked you. I did. Nobody <laughs> asked you. <laughs> well, yeah. You know what? Yeah. It's nice when people write in and tell you guys nice things. Oh, you're such a pussy. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody expects a compliment after an insult. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> this next one, it's titled Five Stars. And it's from, uh, F Chris. What do you rate it? Huh? What do you rate, do you rate it? it? I don't know, Jake. Take a, take a wild guess. Five stars? <laughs> <laughs> you are correct, Amundo, sir. Uh, it's by F Chris, EFF, F Chris. And the review goes on to say, five stars, three exclamation points. Mm, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. This is the worst review so far. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna take uh, uh, some guidance here from his uh, iTunes name. Fuck you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, F off. Uh, next one comes from uh, Jay Grass seventy six. I believe this is Jason Grass, one of our listeners that wrote in an email a couple of weeks ago. And it goes on to say, "Amazing bunch of a holes." It's a five star, and it says, "Been listening for almost a year. Even got a shout out on a recent episode for an email I sent in." The fun, hilarious banter between the hosts and guests is great and very helpful when in need of a smile during these challenging times. That comes from Jgrass76. That won't make any sense in a year, hopefully. Yeah. You can look at the we'll date on it. You can look at it. Everybody will remember 2020. <laughs> Black it out. Everybody will remember it. Press uh, that shit. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I asked for iTunes reviews, and I'm not really pleased with these. Um. <laughs> no, a lot of them feel like they just like threw us a bone. <laughs> yeah. Like, not really well-thought-out criticism. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, shut these fuckers up with this bone. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Five stars. Good job. Way to go. Keep it up. Just like fucking stickers that you get on, like, a report you got an A on when you were a fucking yeah. kid, you know? Teacher. Great job. Way to go. You're the best. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not even puffy stickers either, just flat stickers. Just flat fucking stickers. Oh my god. Uh, next one's from Kemian Carson. Kemian Carson, I know, I know Kemian from, uh, from Twitter. Very interactive on Twitter. And it goes, uh, titled, Should Have Done This Years Ago. It's a five star. Goes on to say, Should Have Done This a While Ago. But I didn't know my Apple info, so I had to make a new account. So yeah, I'm lazy. I've been listening to this podcast since the series of unfortunate events episode where they barely talked about the show and I still got hooked on this podcast. Brian and Jake are two really cool and really smart guys that know their stuff. I can honestly say that this is my favorite podcast and that it has the best community around. I am proud to be a part of the Leftover Army, and I apologize for taking way too long to rate this amazing podcast. That comes from Kemi and Carson. Yeah, this one's my favorite of the week, by far. By far. I saved the best for last. 
yeah, he comes in and apologizes. Yeah. We were so upset about. Yeah. He actually gives some thoughtful insight. He sounds yeah. like a legit fan. Yeah. 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 It's like, you know, like your relationship, you know, and she did, you know, she did, she fucked up. But when she comes back and apologizes, it's still kind of, she kind of like makes it your fault still. You know what I mean? She finds a way to say she's sorry, but then also make you feel like shit. And Still then you're just that like, last word. and then, yeah, that last fucking word. And then like, you know, you're like, you're feeling good about yourself and then you fucking replay it and back in your head and you're like, that fucking bitch. How the fuck did she do that? <laughs> oh man. I also like what he said about how he started that unfortunate series of events. I can imagine we probably just barely talked about that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think I watched a few episodes. I watched, yeah, I tried this. I tried to stick with that show. I just couldn't. Yeah, it it just had no stakes. It was just a little bit too silly for me. I thought it not very funny. I thought it was fine. I thought it was a fine show. It I th- I got through most of season one. I just, just there's just so much other crap. Uh, did you watch that crap, Joe? I didn't. I I watched the. Wasn't there like a movie with Jim Carrey? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so I'm aware that that it, that it was all based off a series of books. I've never read those. I just watched the Jim Carrey movie and thought it was, you know, whatever. And so the, I wasn't really hooked enough on the idea to check out the series. Yeah. Oh. Neil Patrick Harris was starring in the Jim Carrey role, I believe. I think we've talked about it more than we did on that episode, Jake. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to low taste it. I'm going to go ahead and just give it a solid taste it. It was fine. Nothing I'm going to stick with necessarily. There we go. Follow that one up. I think we did a bang-up job there, gentlemen. Joe didn't even watch it. <laughs> I agree. Are you going to tag that show again in this episode? I totally am. Find, I'm find some more new listeners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it brought, I mean, it brought Kemi in. Yeah, right. Maybe it'll work again. It'll work again, man. Oh, my God. And They're talking about a series of unfortunate events. Wait for- <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting two and a half years to hear people talk about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Guys, did you hear that? Did they have a season two? Is that a thing? Yeah, I think it went to like season three. Wow. Yeah, it did pretty well. It did, fell off the blip. Did pretty well for Netflix. Uh, you see Dunkaroos? Did you ever have Dunkaroos? Yeah, the kangaroo cookies that you dipped in like frosting. Yeah, they're coming back. Yeah. They're coming back. They're bringing Dunkaroos back and they're going to have a Dunkaroos cereal as well. <laughs> Do you just pour milk in it and that's what you're dunking them in? Like, how does that work with cereal? Yeah, milk. That's how cereal works, Jake. <laughs> I don't understand the confusion. How is it though? Like, what's the, it's just like every cereal's Dunkaroos. <laughs> I'll buy some fucking Cheerios and call it Dunkaroos. It's gonna taste like Dunkaroos. It's just in a fucking cereal bowl. I don't understand the confusion. <laughs> <laughs> if I can't control the ratio of frosty to cookie, then it's not a Dunkaroos. I'm not gonna talk about where milk comes from next, Jake. We're, we're, uh, this is gonna be a long fucking podcast. <laughs> I've really been getting into this new subreddit on Reddit. I absolutely love it. It is highly addictive, and I I recommend everybody if you're on Reddit subscribe to this subreddit. It is fucking amazing. Um, it's it, it, it's <laughs> subreddit is titled "Bread Stapled to Trees." <laughs> I fucking, it's, uh, Jake, Jake, 
I said that I, I want you, Mr. Dunkaroo Milkman, to try to guess what this subreddit is about. Uh, slices of bread stapled to trees. Boom. You nailed it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> People take pictures of pieces of bread stapled to trees, and they share it on this subreddit, <laughs> and it is fucking amazing. Like, I got there, and I was like, what, what am I looking at? Is this real? I immediately joined. Immediately joined. And like, what well, I think like the first post I looked at was like, went to Denny's, got some sourdough bread, stapled it on this majestic oak. And there's like, there's <laughs> <laughs> like four pieces of sourdough bread just unilaterally lined up. Beautiful, beautiful. And it's just stapled onto the tree. Take a guess. Take a guess as to how many people have subscribed to this fucking bread staple the trees subreddit. I'm looking. I already know. I just saw. Joe, take a guess. I'm going to guess 50K. Oh, man. Much higher. No, higher. Much higher. Oh <laughs> much higher, man. Like over a million? No, 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 no. Not that quite. Not quarter of that. <laughs> okay. Two, wow. Yeah, my next guess was going to be 200,000. 280. 280. Yeah. 280. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Here's... Uh, oh, look at this. This this person's brand new. First staple. I guess an animal must have taken it last night because it's gone now. But, like, here it is. There it is on the tree when he took the picture. And this, this one guy's like, don't tell Grandma he's stapling bread onto her trees. <laughs> <laughs> that was that one's actually a pancake staple to a tree. Yeah, but if you look... He's getting it, nailed by the admin. If you, like, that looks like a pancake. That is Fringe's rule number one. But it's complicated. But he's, he's addicted to this because he did it again. Like, on the next post, it says, did it again, guys? Grandma still doesn't know. And, like, the bread is even up higher on this tree. <laughs> And somebody just posted a picture of sourdough on a tree, and they put, it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, I love it. I fucking love it. Ooh, here's one. Grandma was not happy. Grandma busted him. She found out. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, man. Small bread with three precise staples to oak. Look at that. (laughs) My favorite part about this thread are the rules of the group. (laughs) rule number one is don't post (laughs) non-bread don't post non-stapled bread is rule number two rule number three don't staple it to (laughs) non-trees and then don't be an asshat first staple did it at a local park oh man these are great there's videos on here too that are pretty hilarious Ah. Two slices of wheat bread stapled to a tree fort. <laughs> just to argue for the environmentalist side, is it kind of a bummer that there's a bunch of staples just getting put into trees? You have to remove the, the staples. They tell you that in the rules. Oh, I like that rule. Yeah, please remove any staples from the trees after you submit your photo. Staples can cause harm to the trees, and no one wants that. You ever gone to, you ever gone, oh, one of my, oh, another one of my favorite subreddits is Shower Thoughts. If you're not. I love Shower Thoughts. I had my own Shower Thought this week, Joe, and I want to tell you if this is a worthy Shower Thought. Don't bullshit me. Here we go. Forgetting what you were going to look up on your phone is the new, why did I go into this room? <laughs> oh, that is good. It's very good. <laughs> 
I, I was, cause I was doing that this week. I was trying to get on, I was going to get on my phone and I was like, what was it, what was it going to look at? I, I was going to go to my banking, online banking. And then I totally had forgotten. And so like, I'm looking all over my phone, like, well, why, what was I going to do? And then I was like, this is totally like, Going into the room and not, I remember forgetting like why you went in there in the first place, what you needed to do in that room. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And then you go on Twitter for like 15 minutes and all of a sudden you realize what you meant to do in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I do that shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, uh, are strip clubs open? No. Maybe in Florida. Probably definitely in Florida. You think, uh, you think they're following the, uh, COVID-19 safety guidelines doing six feet away lap dances? <laughs> That's hot, man. Are those, are those cheaper? I don't, I don't, I don't know how that works. <laughs> I think you'd save money on that. 30, 30% The capacity. girls probably aren't making anywhere near as much money not being able to like give them the dollar bills and all that. I bet. Oh, they're probably all doing cam stuff, right? Everyone's got those extender poles putting dollar bills in. <laughs> Making, uh, paper yeah, airplanes. Probably got those, like, fans only pages or whatever. Only fans. There you go. What's that? Is that a thing? What's going on with that? That's like where, like, that's where all the stripping is happening these days. It's like Patreon for stripping, basically. Oh. Yeah, see, I don't know this stuff. They do the same kind of thing on uh, Snapchat is big with it as well. It's basically the same thing as OnlyFans is what Snapchat has become. Listen to you. Where you subscribe to private Snapchats and... Listen to you perverts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jake, not only can I Jake give you... The, it was called. <laughs> not only can Jake give you all the fucking rules to the bread stapled to trees. You, you subscribe. <laughs> but he fucking knows all the rules about these fucking... Strippers on Snapchat. I got a, what was it? Got an email here. What do you got? Anthony. Ant- yeah, Anthony. Hello there, I've been meaning to email. I got an email from Sophie too. I guess I could read that. You want to read Sophie? You want to hear when you read Sophie's? I do. Hi dear, how are you? Hope everything is doing fine with you. This is Sophie from Shenzhen A Stars Toys Limited. Glad to know that you are in sex toy business. We supply sex toys vibrator, love eggs, keggle ball, bullet vibrator, dildo, anal plug, penis pump, cock ring, sex dolls, and so on. I wonder if you have get back to business or are you still working from home? The good thing is most of our com- customers are getting back to business and we are receiving good orders. May I know the situation at your side? Looking forward to your favorable reply. Thanks and best regards from Sophie. She sent that to comments at popcultureleftovers.com, Jake, because we're in the sex toy business. Yes, yeah, sounds like we got a new sponsor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> this, this sounds way better than one out box. You're going to be hawking rubber vaginas before you know it, man. Oh, man, I was asked by, who was it? It was this twice now from two different people in two different emails. They want us to put, like, a gambling link on our website. Oh, we can't do that to our listeners. Well, I said no. Like the first guy. sports betting or, like, some dumb slot machines? Slot machines. Ugh. I just said, I just replied with to the guy, no. And then 
some lady sent me the exact same email and then I didn't reply. And then probably like a week later, you know, she didn't reply. Have you looked at my offer? And I just replied with no. <laughs> the reply back, are you saying no, you didn't look yet or no, you don't want my oh, offer? God. <laughs> Slot culture leftovers. Show. <laughs> uh, Anthony. Hello there. I've been meaning to email you guys for a while, but always been putting it off until now. I've been a huge fan of the podcast and have been listening to, to your episodes since Rogue One. I love the podcast so much that I went back to listen to older episodes. But when I heard the review of The Lone Ranger, I knew you guys were genuine, knowledgeable, and always come prepared. <laughs> that is a joke, Jake, because you didn't. Yeah, I, I got it. I got yeah. it. <laughs> Uh, and then recently when we got this cover quoted, you guys, I knew for sure you have made it big. In all seriousness. That's when we knew too. Yeah, yeah, that was huge. In all seriousness, you guys are great. Brian and Jake, you compliment each other so well in times when you agree or disagree with each other. Uh, your guests are amazing. Rebecca always brings it and keeps you in check. I always get excited. Does she really keep us in check, Jake? Mm, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I think not in check. I, I don't really. She doesn't stop any of the madness. That's for sure. Yeah, that's like keeping in check would be. What is she like? <laughs> she like the fucking referee of the podcast. <laughs> I feel like she she keeps us less in check than most guests. I mean, Joe, she keep, Rebecca keeping us in check. It's definitely not keeping you in check. I'd say at times it's almost Rebecca is putting up with. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with that. I always get excited when I hear June or Finn being a guest. Even Ray did great sticking it to the man by not watching the Jurassic World short. Man, I just, God, this guy just likes to see us fucking get ass fucked, Jake. <laughs> I noticed. Oh, Rebecca. We're the man all of a sudden? Rebecca keeps us in check and Ray stuck it to us. Stuck it to the man. Stuck it to the I'm man. The no, what the fuck? Like, yeah, you know, we're the establishment. The fuck? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to do this show anymore if we're the man. Yeah, what the? F yeah, I, yeah. I don't like the man. I don't want to be the fucking man. Uh, I would shout out. Let's talk about Charo some more. That was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Let's just catchphrase. <laughs> fuck Anthony's email here. Let's just talk about Charo. Coochie, coochie, coochie. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I would shout out more of your guests, but it would just make this email longer than it already is. But nonetheless, they are gr all great in their own rights. Thanks for keeping us sane through the years. Brian, you even motivated, uh, motivated me to sign up for the gym a few months back when you talked about your fitness and shit. Your fitness and shit. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Your fitness and shit. I what can't. grace. <laughs> what grace. I, I, I can't, yeah, I know. Quite the, quite the fucking wordsmith, the poget. Uh, your fitness and shit. Yeah, God, you motivated me talking about your fitness and shit. Uh, I can't say. better without the and. <laughs> your fitness shit. Your fitness shit, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. I can't say I have an epic story of losing weight since then, but at least I'm there working on myself and shit. No, he didn't put that. And, 
And man, I would have made a great Jamie. I have, I have a system on how to go about getting information on what you talk about. And I don't feel a need to talk unless asked. But part of the charm of the podcast is you guys coming up with information off the top of your head, which you guys do often enough. Thanks again for everything. I'll do my best to always recommend your podcast to anyone looking for a podcast. Stay legendary, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. He wrote it out. It's actually an exclamation point, but I get what you mean. Ah, I like that email. That was fun. That was a good email. Yeah. Beat the fuck out of those iTunes reviews. Jesus. Yeah, and the sex toy email. Oh, I kind of enjoyed that one. Sophie was good. <laughs> so She was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's, that could be a lucrative offer, you know? Oh man! Yeah. Oh, dude, we could run like, you know, like, uh, yeah. Enter our code PCL sixty nine. Get twenty percent off your fucking dildo. Right. Let's have like a sex toy of the month. Like every month, we pick our favorite thing. Really oh, that. Our <laughs> like favorite a butt plug with the seat, with the with the logo on it. So, uh, here's me every week. Like Jake. Oh my! Every month, Jake, you pick the anal beads. Every <laughs> every every month, this guy. Switch it up. Jesus Christ! You don't to use those things for longer than a month. <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking it! Yeah, how do yeah? How do you go about it? Like I, I'm sure they come with cleaning instructions. All these things. There's a lot of work. A lot of work. More, we need more disposable sex toys. You're done Rid with the it. Environment. Just throw it in the trash can. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm done with my rubber fist. <laughs> <laughs> put another one on the shopping list for next month. It's one of that's one of those things that I would be even like ashamed for the garbage man to see. <laughs> so I would take a bag and put that in a bag <laughs> and then put it in another trash bag. Like, you know what I mean? Because of coffee grinds in it. Because I don't know what garbage men are doing out there when, you know, when they get my garbage. Are they looking through it maybe? No, they're still going to find it and they're still going to judge us. <laughs> the real freaks just have the can full and they just open the lid and place it on top and set the lid back up. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. <laughs> Are you imagining it like some, <laughs> It's like Dick Clark, Ed McMahon bloopers modern day here. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if your neighbor actually hits one of your trash cans and it goes rolling out into the street and that rubber <laughs> just comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Chasing after it down the road. <laughs> some what squirrel grabs it and is running down the road. <laughs> <laughs> At that time, it's time to buy a new fist. Oh, you're just like you're just like oh my god squirrels love nuts and I nutted in that oh my god uh, oh the irony uh, <laughs> it's crazy all right let's move let's move on into uh I, see I'm still being all cautious about my, the, like the volume of my voice I'm all worried about that this week with this fuck this noise alarm I just want to yell at it as soon as well, yeah my last day here I'm just gonna yell at it and run. Ah, gonna, I want to hear it go off on the podcast. I do not. Oh God, that's that's when we end the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it sounded like an old car alarm, you know, like <laughs> like a Model T. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm oh, some kind of James Bond alarm going off, you know, like Fred McMurray's car and Flubber <laughs> or Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> 
Chitty Chitty Bang Bang sounds like a fucking sex toy. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Who named that? Sophie tried to sell us a, on a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> I hide my Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in the garbage when I'm done with it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, let's move on into Good Pop, Bad Pop. That was 38 minutes of nothing. What we just did. Congratulations, guys. 38 minutes of nothing. All right. Uh, good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, real quick. I, I finished the, uh, well, I finished one thing and I've got a, the finale I got to watch on the other. But I want to give everybody updates because, like, you know, we talk about things. We talk about them for, like, one fucking week. And sometimes we don't always come back to them and let people know that we're still watching this shit. And they might be like, what, hey, what happened to that one fucking show you love so much, Jag Off? You still watching that fucking shit, you piece of shit? That's how our <laughs> listeners, that's how our listeners think of us, Jake. You still watching that, you fucking Jag Off? You get that kind of email a lot. Yeah. Hey, yeah, remember that show you mentioned, you fucking piece of shit? You still watching that, you little fucking Jag Off, you little fucking cunt bitch? <laughs> I get that a lot, Jake. <laughs> And I'm like, listen here, you little fucking pusshole. Yeah, I'm still fucking... Anyway. Um, this part's like the last five minutes of Unsolved Mysteries, you know, where you revisit the cases. Oh, yeah, yeah, the update. Update. And then you hear Robert Snack talk about how she's dead now. <laughs> <laughs> they found her body stapled to a tree with some bread. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that was dark. You guys didn't like that one. <laughs> I laughed. I don't think those are either really big staples or a really skinny person. Yeah, listen, I laughed hard enough to mute there. All right, that's good. That's good to know. Um, I finished uh, the Mark Ruffalo series, the mini series on HBO. I know this much is true. The the season finale was uh, this past Sunday, and. Uh, I watched, it was six episodes each episode, about an hour apiece, maybe. This last episode was about an hour and 20. Very sad, depressing show about the two twins, you know, and, and one is on the spectrum and, and, uh, we talked about how in the first episode he cuts his hand off and just spouting kind of like this, uh, crazy religious stuff and all this stuff. But, um, I'm telling you, like, um, uh, and, and there's like this mystery behind like who their real father was. And there was these documents that their grandfather had written in Italian that they got, uh, that, uh, it was kind of like his life story that he got, uh, he took to uh, a woman and she kind of like, uh, translated it for him. And there was a whole episode where they reenacted like the grandfather's life and these flashbacks. And that was the fifth episode. Um, Super depressing fucking show, but I'm telling you, it all leads up to the last 20 minutes of this show, and it was just like, uh, the last 20 minutes are just fucking beautiful. So, I mean, if you can suffer through, and I don't mean suffer through, cause you're, you're not suffering through bad acting. It, this is a, this is a fucking amazing performance that Mark Ruffalo is doing in this show. 
But if you can, if you can suffer with these characters along with these characters and their relationships and, and things like that and just things falling apart in their lives, it's worth it for the last 20 minutes. It really is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's just a, an amazing miniseries and I highly, highly recommend it. And I think Mark Ruffalo playing these two characters of Dominic and Thomas were fantastic. And I also think that Rosie O'Donnell was just, just spectacular in the show. Very limited screen time, but man, when she was in a scene, uh, just, just amazing. She was so good in this. So fantastic. Did, Joe, did you watch any of this? I've not watched any of this one yet, but I've not heard a bad thing really about it yet. I've heard that Mark Ruffalo's performances in it are incredible. He is just, oh my God, putting on a clinic. So good in this. He is so good in this. I, I highly recommend this. Six episodes. It's all wrapped up. If you got HBO or HBO Max, you can watch it on there. Um, I've got one more episode left of Run on HBO. This is the uh, Donald Gleason show. And uh, Joe, I know when you were on the first time, we reviewed the first episode. And I, I I liked it more than you. Did you stick with this one or did you drop off? Had it not been for my wife, I would have dropped off on it. But, but she kept saying, hey, let's watch the next episode of Run. And so we, we've finished it. And um, I, I don't know if you want me to give any thoughts on it before you've finished it. I, I, I have one episode left. Just don't give me spoilers on the last episode and I'll be happy. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Um I really liked the way that the show started out. I wasn't quite as big a fan of the way it, it ended, and I'm not really quite sure where a season two could go based off that. But but once, um, uh, uh, what is the the lady's name from Fleabag? Oh, um, oh God, I'm blanking on it right now. Uh, Phoebe Phoebe Waller Bridge. Phoebe Waller. Yes, yes. Her character once once her character came in is like the the oddball taxidermist from like the small rural town. Um, I loved her character. Her character is my favorite part of the show. And, and so if, if season two could potentially have more of that somehow, then, then I'd be all about it. And, um, but, but yeah, yeah, it's, it, it didn't really go the way that I wanted it to. I thought the, the best part of that show was that at least the episodes were short. You could get through them quick, but, uh, Domino Gleason was fantastic. And I, I really, really like him. It's not Domino. Everybody says Domino. It's Donald. Oh, <laughs> as I was saying it, I was like, "You're probably pronouncing this wrong." Sometimes. It's all right. Everybody, everybody says Domino. It, it's I, I don't know. It's one of those things where I like I, I go to this uh, I go to this website and I type in how to say these stars' names. It's Donald. Donald Gleason. <laughs> I love this show. I love it so far. Especially like, you know, just like the shocking things that happen in this show, like the whole barn scene when she jumps. Super shocking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one of the, just one of the reasons I love this show. I, I, I think it's fantastic. So I'm, I'm so far with what I've seen. I give it a Tupperware. I think I love it. So yeah, we're just on two different pages on this one. So your wife likes it a little bit more than you. Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't remember. I think she might have high tasted it and I tasted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think she did like it a little bit more than me. I mean, yeah. I, I would have fallen off if it if it weren't for her kept dragging me back into it. So yeah. they have a way of doing that, right? Don't they? 
I'm not trying to get you in trouble. Um, There's some awkward with the, with the co-host. Yeah, right. <laughs> Lindsay is such a sweetheart. Jesus. Anyway. Um, she is, and she loves the most fucked up stuff. A, <laughs> like like um, uh, one of the ones we're going to cover later when I when I told her that, hey, you should have left was on the, the list. And, and she watched the trailer, and she's like, oh, we're watching this one. I'm like, yeah, I knew we'd be watching that one. Oh, that's awesome. It, it, Oh, if it's fucked up horror stuff and murder and shit, yeah, she's into it. <laughs> so I usually get dr- drug along for the ride on all those. This next one we're going to talk about, this is a Netflix movie that dropped. Um, is it pronounced Weera? I wasn't sure if it was Weera or Wira. Yeah, yeah. It's spelled W-I-R-A, and it's on Netflix. It's a story centered on an ex-military force character, Hassan, that left his family when he was young he became a military man to overcome his demons and to escape the injustice towards his family and community committed by Raja. Uh, after his stint in the army, Hassan returns to help out his family and settle a debt owed by his sister Zane in an MMA match. Hassan and Zane had to fi- had to fight a rematch with V and Rayon, who are Raja's children. So, whoever wrote that fucking synopsis needs to be smacked around a little bit. That. That's a, don't you think, don't you think, Joe? Absolutely terrible. That was one of the things in my notes is how terrible the synopsis was for this. And I can only imagine wow. that things were just lost in translation since this is a Malaysian film. It's a Malaysian action film. It's directed by Adrian Ta and uh, it stars Hyrule Azreen as Hassan and uh, Fifi Azmi as uh, his sister Zane. Uh, I'm just going to start off by saying, Hyrule as Hyrule Ezrin, who plays Hassan. What a beautiful man! Right? <laughs> just, I mean, seriously, this this Malaysian man is just like chiseled out of the finest uh, muscle and bones and flesh on a man you've ever seen. I didn't know if I wanted to watch him fight or if I wanted to watch him fuck. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely ab royalty, right? Oh my, yeah. Jesus Christ, when him and his sister are walking into that MMA match and he's got his shirt off. Oh my God, I wanted to fucking like, you know, like, uh, you know, you know, like when the, the women back in the pioneer days would take their laundry down to the rocks and like wash their fucking clothes, beat them on the rocks. I just wanted to wash fucking clothing on his fucking abs. On his fucking, he had like a 12 pack. I wanted to fucking, beat some clothes on his fucking abs and just wash them on the river of his abdominal strength. Just an am- <laughs> amazing specimen of a human being, Joe. Uh, he looked like he was maybe only like 2 or 3% body fat. Like. Oh, my God. Just incredible. Just <laughs> like, incredible. Well done, dude. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, you've got a guy here who uh, his sister his sister gets in a fight, uh, an, an MMA match, and uh, she gets beat by Raja's uh, daughter. And Raja's kind of like, I don't know, he's kind of like the like the, uh, the kingpin of this. You know, like if, if we're comparing this to Daredevil, he kind of like runs things in this fucking city. And, um, and, and she gets beat by his daughter. Now, she cheats to beat her. She cheats. But, you know, now, now the sister has this debt that she owes Raja. And so Hassan, who used to work for Raja back in the day, comes back to try to, you know, make things right and try to settle the debt and everything. And, um, I, 
Joe, I want you to talk about this and then give me your thoughts about We Read. This is kind of like um, one of those action movies, like a fighting movie, kind of like The Raid, where where you've got like you know really high octane action and martial arts and stuff like that. What did you think about We Read? The number one, the fight choreography in this was really good. Um, what is his name? Har- Harold Azreen. He does a really really good job. But the my favorite in it was um uh Y I Young Ruin, I think is his name. He was like the bad guy in the raid and he played another oh, yeah. character in the raid too. Yayan so Ruyan. Uh he play he was Ifrit in this one. He 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 played the character of Mad Dog in the Raid in the Raid Two. Yes, yeah. And so as soon as I saw him and the it was like, Oh, he's he's Raja's personal bodyguard, I'm like, Yes, that's gonna be the big fight at the end. Yeah. And so I literally went through this entire movie just like wanting that fight scene and i felt like when we finally got it it was totally worth it now like everything else to actually make this a movie with a plot and everything it it was a little bit tough i I thought the cinematography in this was kind of interesting and there was some cool shots that you don't see in a lot of american cinema so that was kind of neat um the the god like the score and everything was pretty dog shit uh, the, the, the actor playing Raja was really terrible. A lot of the acting was, was pretty terrible. Uh, some of the plot points in it were absolutely groan worthy. And, but man, overall, it's like you, you can't, you can't discount how good the fight choreography was in this movie. It was fantastic, but, but everything linking it together was, was pretty, pretty low quality in, in my opinion. Like I, I'd go back and rewatch this just to see the fight scenes. Like in, in all honesty, I'd probably just fast forward and, and watch the good fight scenes in it. Um, but like I've definitely seen movies in the past that were way worse than this, but it, it's nowhere near the quality in terms of like plot is like the raid or the raid two or, or the night comes for us or something like mm-hmm. that. So what are you rating it? What are you rating it? Um, I'm giving it a taste it. Just, just yeah. purely for the fight choreography. I, I can't discount it anymore for, yeah, I, I feel like it'd be insulting with the fight choreography if I gave it any less. I, I like this a little bit more than you. I, I, I like the, I don't know, I like the whole kind of like fucked up fa- family dynamic in this one. You know, like the relationship between him and his sister, how it was strained and then, you know, coming together as they're fighting. I, I love like the camaraderie that they had, like the brother and sister fighting together was really cool. I loved it in the MMA match. And then I my favorite one of my favorite fight scenes in this was the bus fight. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And the way that they filmed that bus fight was absolutely fucking incredible. Um I didn't hate the character of Raja as much as you did. I thought that he was pretty like a uh, unlikable kind of villain in this whole thing. Took everything away from his family, you know. Took uh, put his dad out of work, and now his dad's working for him, and all this other shit. And uh, kind of a despicable kind of guy. I hated his fucking kids. I thought that the the son was kind of lame, but the daughter was actually kind of fun to watch. I liked I liked her. I thought, she, and I think like. Uh, um, uh, Fifi Asmi, who plays the sister of Hasin in this, she was a good MMA, like martial arts fighter. I was just like, man, this chick, she's fucking badass in this. Yeah, totally agree. So I'll give it a high taste that I, I enjoyed this one quite a bit, to be quite honest with you. I would, I would watch it again and I didn't hate the story as much as you did. Um, but I love the action. It felt like they were speeding up some of the kicks though. 
and the you know what I mean? Did it feel like that way to you? Like they were speeding it up a little bit sometimes? A, a little bit. Like he, I can notice that because the movie opens up with that MMA fight and and there's so much back and forth in it. It's like literally the most amazing, exciting MMA fight you would have ever seen. And there was that really cool scene where they were switching, you know, from who was top and who was on bottom where she did this thing where she kind of ran her feet around in a circle yeah. around the perimeter where they were to switch sides. And that one definitely stood out in my mind that it might have been a little bit sped up. Um, yeah. But, dude, I just thought Raj's character was just so, like, mustache twirling villain – um, you're right, though. His son's character was complete cardboard. <laughs> well, I, I mean, they think about, like, all the fucking just over-the-top stupid villains we had back in, like, the 80s and 90s, man. You know? and yeah, it just true. It just reminded me. It's just a throwback to, like, those old 80s and 90s movies. I mean, I don't have yeah. to, I don't have to See, have. I think I was just comparing it to the raid too much because this one, like, it, it really pulled back on a lot of stuff also where. Sure. Where, I mean, you have a character that's literally running around for, like, what, the whole third act with this machete. And it's like, there's, like, no blood or anything. And then it's like the, you know, the villain throws him a knife and he's like, this one has an edge on it. And it's like, oh, okay, he's been running around with a machete that's not sharp. Mm-hmm. At least that kind of explains some of it. And then uh, the, you know, the other scenes where it's like it, it could have shown something happening and then it didn't. Like, it really pulled back. Um, so maybe in my mind, I was just comparing it to the raid yeah, a little bit too yeah, much. Yeah. Um, but dude, I, I mean, the, the fight choreography in this was fantastic. Yeah. Dude, if you're comparing it to the raid, there's no, there's no comparison. <laughs> well, that's my Tupperware bar. You yeah. Know? So it's like, it's, yeah. But okay, I'll just say one thing that, that doesn't really spoil anything in the movie, but you're totally going to pick up what I'm saying. This, the cell phone scene. Oh God! Yes, yes. So, <laughs> I mean, that takes a couple points off. Yeah, I agree. I, I had problems with that too. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, we're doing that now." Okay. Yeah. Oh like, my that God. Was convenient. Uh, yeah. If you're comparing this to the raid, the villains in the raid are just top notch. They're so good. They're so good. Oh my God! I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna watch. I'm, I think I'm gonna watch the raid this weekend. Both of them. Redemption and then Raid 2. They are so fucking good. It's never a bad idea. <laughs> oh, they're so fantastic. What was that? That hammer guy, that hit the guy with the hammers. And then the yeah, girl. Well, in the Raid 2. And the, 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 the no, girl no, has no, the, the girl has the, the hammers, has the baseball, baseball bat. And the yeah. aluminum bat. Yeah. Oh, I love that Raid 2. Oh my god, that is so awesome. It's That's so an amazing awesome. hallway fight scene there too. Well, and then the, like the Raid, it all takes place in like that, you know, that prison. You know what I mean? Like it all takes place in like that one area. It's the building. It's like a very like it's it's like almost a similar pot, plot to Dread. Yes, yes. And the thing is, like people were saying, like one of the movies ripped off the other one. They were filming them both at around the same time. It just was like ni- neither of those movies were ripping off the other one. It just happened to be that they both were filming at the same time. And they both came out at around the same time. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it's hardly a, a new idea. That, oh, there's a bunch of police and they're raiding a, a, a drug kingpin's building. Yeah, and he has yeah. this whole building on lockdown. They're going to have to fight floor to floor. That's hardly an original idea, but god damn did the raid and, and Dread both do it really well. And then the raid too, what I loved about that is they opened it up. I mean, like now you've got like that high speed car chase and then there's, you've got action fucking like 
martial arts fights taking place within a car when they're flying down the fucking road. It was, dude, that movie is just, it's like, I can understand why the director is just like, I don't even think we need to do a raid three. Like at one time, if you went to IMDB, they had it listed that they were doing the raid three and they had, um, Tony Jaa listed as one of the cast from Ong Bak. Oh, damn. But it was all rumor. It was all rumor. And, like, the director has come out and said, like, I don't have an idea for Raid 3. It's probably just not going to happen. But, my God, can you imagine Eco... And they've done a movie. I think... Have you seen Triple Threat? I think it's got, like... Um, uh, it's got... Um, Eco Uwe's and um, Tony Jaa are both in it. I think that it, is it on Netflix? It's on right Netflix, yeah. There's a handful of them that are on my my queue that I've been working through, and I'm pretty sure that that's one of them. Tony Jaa is God. When I first saw Ong Bak, I was like, this this guy is just incredible. This guy is just fucking incredible. Yeah. And that's a fantastic movie too, because it perfectly walks the line between really great, uh, really great action and like perfect little bits of humor in it. Yeah. The, yeah, Umbach's fantastic. Remember that, remember that kick where he fucking, he, he fucking runs up the elephant's trunk in his head and fucking does like a backflip and then kicks some guy off a fucking elephant? <laughs> that was some like real, that, that was some like, but there's so much good shit in there. There was some real life like fucking Legolas shit going on there. <laughs> The scene where he's running through the market and all the people are walking past carrying shit and he's having to like jump through them. Yeah. Oh god. And that I, shit was funny too. I want to see Eco Uways, this dude from Weera, and fucking Tony Jean a movie together. Jesus. Yeah, that would be fucking dope, man. Yeah. Yeah. Some great martial artists. Did anybody get a chance to see seventy five hundred on Amazon Prime? Holy shit, dude. I did not. <laughs> The emergency code for a plane hijacking is 7500, a tense, a tense, intense thriller told from the cockpit, a flight from Berlin to Paris, everyday routine in the cockpit of an Airbus A319. Co-pilot Tobias Ellis is preparing for the plane for takeoff, which then follows without incident. Then we hear shouting in the passenger cabin. A group of young men try and storm the cockpit. Among them, 18-year-old Vidat. A fight begins between crew and attackers with the desire on the one hand to save individual lives and on the other to avert an even bigger catastrophe. The cockpit door becomes a battleground and Tobias ends up being the arbiter of over life and death. Uh, 7500 is a thriller film that's directed by Patrick Volrath. In his directorial feature length film debut, he directed a short film, I believe, called Everything's Gonna Be Okay. This is his first, first full length feature. This one stars, I'm just gonna get out, give out the big name here. This one stars Joseph Gordon Levitt as, uh, pilot Tobias Ellis. And, uh, been a while since I've seen, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt in anything. I mean, last thing I remember him in, he was just like the voice on that YouTube video in Knives Out. You know, Ryan Johnson has used Joseph Gordon-Levitt in, you know, he of course, the movie Brick, where he starred, but he's used him in cameo appearances in his films. And I just haven't seen Joseph Gordon-Levitt in anything in a while. Joe, this movie, I mean, it opens with Tobias 
the pilot, they're, they're getting ready to, to fly from Berlin to Paris. Uh, his girlfriend is a flight attendant and, uh, you find out that they have a son together. Um, they're trying to keep, uh, you know, their professional and romantic lives separate when they're on the plane. But, you know, you, we see a little bit of them kissing at the beginning. And, uh, soon after this plane takes off, uh, we've got, uh, we've got a terrorist attack. And these guys wait for the the flight attendant, one of the flight attendants, to deliver a sandwich, the sandwich and food, to to the two pilots. You know, once once they give the clearance that uh, it's safe to uh, undo their safety belt, they force their way into the cockpit, and a fight ensues. They're using shards of glass to stab at one of the pilots. They're slashing Joseph Gordon-Levitt's arm. Uh, one of the pilots, the other pilot is, is stabbed so much like in the abdominal region, he's like bleeding out and, and could quite possibly die here. Um, they subdue one of the, the terrorists. They finally get the door shut. And, uh, a lot of the movie is basically Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the cockpit looking at the camera and terrorists holding up passengers and threatening to slice their throats if he doesn't open the door and he can't open the door. He can't open the door. And this movie is, it's a uh, white knuckle, um, like tense. It's, uh, Joe, what did, what did you think about 7,500? Yeah. White knuckle intense is absolutely right, dude. Um, I, while I was watching this, I was trying to imagine what it would have been like being confined in a theater seat watching this because I spent the whole movie. Well, after about 15, 10, 15 minutes in, I spent the whole movie on my feet pacing back and forth in my living room, talking to my cats being like, Holy shit, guys, you don't know what's going on, but this is fucking intense. Like, I mean, just right out the gate, this is a, a huge Tupperware for me. Mm. Like I fucking loved this movie. It was so intense. Um, I don't think there was any score to speak of. It was just all the ambient noise of the airplane, that, that ever present whining hum of, you know, the engines whining and, and, you know, just air blasting past the fuselage and, you know, the different buttons and, and, and warning sounds going off in the cockpit, the, the, just that ever present thunk of them pounding on the door trying to get in. And the way that the stakes in it just kept ramping up and ramping up mm-hmm. and then seeing everything that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is going through in that and all these choices that he's being forced to make. And, dude, the drama in this was incredible. The the intensity was just off the charts. Like, this this movie was amazing to me, man. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. This one just dropped on Amazon. Like, I just found out about this one probably a few days ago. And, um, I was just like, holy shit. Yeah. Well, no, actually I found out about this one a couple weeks ago. I thought it had already come out and I saw like the critic response was very divisive, like right down the middle. And I was just like, wow, it looks like Joseph Gordon Levitt, you know, coming back and not making, this looks like it's not going to be a good movie. And I I said, you know what, let's give this a shot. Let's watch this one. I'm right there with you. This movie is just intense. And it's just like, I haven't seen a performance, um, quite like this. No, I've seen some great acting, but I've seen, like, this is, a lot of this is just Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the cockpit. And I haven't seen a performance like this since, like, Tom Hardy did that movie Locke. 
And, um, and that's all Tom Hardy in a car. Like that movie starts with Tom Hardy getting into a car and having conversations on the phone. The whole movie is Tom Hardy in a car and it ends with Tom Hardy getting out of the car. And it's just an intense movie. This is like on the same level as that. Um, if not even more, I, some of the, yeah, some of the decisions that he has to make in this movie, I, I would never want to be put in that position. And, um, I mean, there's, there's a scene that'll just rip your heart out. And, 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 and you, you think you know what's going to happen. You're hoping it doesn't happen, but you think you know what's going to happen. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into that, but my God, it was just, mm. Joe, just, this was, uh, this was definitely kind of like, for me, like, I think this might be a sleeper. This might be a sleeper. People are not watching this. People don't know that this is on Amazon Prime right now. And this could be a sleeper. This was, I thought that this was incredible. Yeah, my mind's blown that the critics were split down the middle on it. It's like, I, I don't know what the ones who were dissatisfied with this film were, were wanting that they didn't get out of this. Cause dude, what a, what a ride. I mean, yeah. I mean, he just puts on a clinic too. Yeah. He, yeah. Damn, his character in it is just so good. I mean, like, that's the sort of person that you want flying a plane. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like you said, like, you would, I would never want to be put in the position that he was in. That, oh my God, man, this is, this movie is, <laughs> it's one of the most intense movies I've ever seen. And there's moments where like, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my myself into the character's shoes and I'm trying to think like, what is he thinking right now? And, I, and there's moments where I was thinking to myself, like in this moment, he has to be thinking, was there something I could have done different? And I kept thinking like, this is going to haunt him for the rest of his life. This oh, is going to, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, it's just a fucking movie, but here I, it, it felt so real. It felt so, the acting felt so real. Everything in this movie felt like it was something that could happen and like it was based on a true story or something. And it was just like, I'm, I'm putting myself in the shoes of this character and thinking like, like how, the, like the, what trauma is this character going to face later? This is the last flight he's ever going to take. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I guarantee you this guy's done. This guy's done. Oh yeah. Well, how, how do you go back to flying? You can't. That? It, it, or at least be like, okay, look, I'll keep flying your planes, but there's a hatchet clause. I get to carry a hatchet with me every time I fly or something like it's definitely some sort of melee weapon. Because I mean, the, the, the scary part about this movie is that it does feel so realistic. Mm-hmm. It does feel like something that, that could absolutely happen. And yeah. if, if people are put in that position to where it's just, you know, I mean, because as the captain, he has to, or not the captain, but as the pilot, he has to, to weigh out, weigh this out that, yeah, I'm watching in this little CCTV, CCTV camera that this guy's holding this, you know, shank up to this person's neck and he's going to kill him if I don't open the door. But if I open the door and give these terrorists control of this plane, they could kill everybody on board. Yeah. And, oh man, to be the one to have to make that decision. And then, and then like you said, he's, <clears throat> Question it for the rest of your life, Jake. I, I highly recommend this one. I, I, yeah, it sounds it sounds really good. I was kind of reading into it while you guys were talking. Apparently, it was supposed to originally star uh, Paul Dano. Paul Dano, you know, yeah. Riddler in the uh, upcoming Matt Reeves Batman movie. And this movie's been in the can since November two thousand seventeen. Wow. It just had no distributor, and so that might explain why you haven't seen. Levin so long because he still really hasn't done anything in a long time. It 
Yeah. This is pretty old. And I guess Amazon finally bought the rights to it in 2019. It had a London premiere in May and just now is finally coming out in digital June 18th. Uh, if, I mean, if one thing about this coronavirus is doing for any of these fucking movies, it's, it's people are buying up these movies because they want new content to be showing while they're not being able to film anything new. Yeah, this was, seems like a really good get for them because it was kind of in movie limbo, it, it very much seems like. I highly recommend this one. Sure, I'm not sure why. I mean, you guys seem to love it. I, the critical reviews are split down the middle, I'll, but I mean, I, me, worse than that comes out. Let me come out and just say it. I didn't want to just say it outright, but I'll, I'll say it. I think it's because the terrorists in this are, are uh, radical Muslims. No, I get what you're saying. They're, they're just the critics aren't liking it because of some of the possible stereotypes in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And like, even as even as the movie, I think the movie when it first when it first starts to to show people boarding the plane, like you know, this movie's about terrorists, and I think it's even trying to make you make you kind of like um, try to guess like. Oh, who's gonna be, who's gonna be the terrorist? I was hoping, I was hoping when I was watching it, I was hoping it was gonna be white guys. You know what I mean? I was like, come on, just have it be some white guys. It wasn't, it wasn't white guys. <laughs> That'd be a swerve <laughs> in a movie. Yeah, well, I mean, like, that's what, Die Hard had a bunch of like, you know, just like Europeans and stuff, so. Dude, I was just gonna bring up the villains from Die Hard. I was gonna say they were taken off out of Berlin. Yeah. Like a Hans Gruber type crew. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think like. I guess the bad guys in Star Wars movies are pretty white. (laughs) It's true. But let's, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll finish up our good pop, bad pop. All right. 7500 Tupperware the fuck out of it. Fantastic fucking movie. I think it's just, I, Joe, I think, I think it's a must watch. Damn straight. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. Hey, comic fans, don't miss the biggest ever live stream comic sales event. Live vendors from all across America, June 25th through 28th, with special guests Kevin Eastman, Neil Adams, and more. Follow at Elite underscore Comics 11 on Instagram to see it all. Free. That's at Elite underscore Comics 11 on Instagram. We'll see you there. All right. Hey, we're back. Welcome back. Welcome back, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Feels good. Feels good. (laughs) Back in the saddle. Back in this back in the saddle again, as Aerosmith would say. <laughs> Very loud too. Oh God, he screams it, doesn't he? Yeah. It hurts my throat even thinking about it. <laughs> I'm gonna I, Not your karaoke jam, huh? No, I could never do that song. Oh my god, yeah. No shit. Oh my god, your voice would go. You'd be dead. <laughs> yeah, one chorus I would never speak again. <laughs> Here's a, I'm going to play a little bit of a song here, and then I'm going to play a little bit of a song, and then I got a question for you, okay? This is uh, Oh Sheila by Ready for the World, okay? Yes. All right, here we go. Here we go. I love you, baby, honestly. 
Is he jerking off to Sheila in that song? <laughs> sure sounds like it. Especially in the chorus. Oh, Sheila. <laughs> like, uh, right? Yeah, very possibly. <laughs> that was one take. Oh, Sheila. picture <laughs> <laughs> him in the sound booth in the, re- in the recording studio. <laughs> yeah. He's all chafed up by, like, the six tape. <laughs> Yeah, they gotta have some guy go in there with like a squeegee and clean off the glass. <laughs> oh, Sheila. It sounds like he's jerking off. I've always thought that. It sounds like he's jerking off to Sheila in the song. It's very sexual. A hundred. Yes. It's very sexual. It's a very sexual song. Uh, 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 oh, Sheila. Oh my god. <laughs> I always thought it sounds like he's not very good at sex too. Like I, the let me love you till we get it right. Like what are they? What are they doing wrong? How are you fucking that up, dude? Uh, someone needs to get him a copy of The Joy of Sex, right? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd hate to know. <laughs> he knows how to masturbate, but the actual act—that's why he has to masturbate because he hasn't figured out how to have sex. <laughs> He has not mastered sex. Maybe Sheila just doesn't have like, I don't know. Do you, do you think Sheila's a sexual creature, a sexual being? You think this guy's enough to satisfy Sheila? It sounds like he is not. <laughs> uh, it's taken multiple tries to get it right. Absolutely. <laughs> like that's why she's dumping him. She's done with him. Yeah. There's no pleasing. Not with him. He's a terrible lover. No. Uh, yeah, he's. that's why he's masturbating. He has no choice. Every time they've gotten it wrong, instead of just getting down, he just stands at the foot of the bed jerking it. She's fucking some guy named Rick now. And he's fucking still pining over her. And she's like, oh, gross, get away from me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, watch the movie called Buffaloed. Did anybody else get a chance to watch Buffaloed on Hulu? Yeah, I watched this one, too. I did not. Uh, Homegrown hustler Peg Dahl will do anything to escape Buffalo, New York. After getting into some trouble, she finds herself crippled by debt. And with her chances of a brighter future outside of her hometown squandered, she decides to become a debt collector herself and wages war with the city's debt collecting kingpin. Uh, Buffalo is a uh, comedy drama film. It's directed by Tanya Wexler from a screenplay by Brian Saka. Uh, Tanya Wexler, she's best known for her comedy Hysteria. Uh, this one stars Zoe Deutsch, Judy Greer, Jermaine Fowler, Noah Reed. Uh, you'll know him as Patrick on Schitt's Creek if you watch Schitt's Creek. And Jai Courtney. Uh, Oh man, this movie, this was a, this was a huge surprise for me. I, 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 um, 
I love Zoe Deutsch in Zombieland Double Tap. I thought she was absolutely hilarious in this in that movie. And she had a huge starring role in this film. And this this movie just kind of like it reminded me a lot of The Wolf of Wall Street, but with more of like a comedic take on that movie. And um, she basically uh, she's always been obsessed with money and finances, even at a young age. And um, and and she becomes this debt collector. After uh, she was selling, uh, she was selling these phony Buffalo Bills tickets to people in the street uh, as a scalper, and she got busted and um, got sent to jail. Gets out of jail, and then she, you know, becomes this debt collector. And she says, by the end of the month, uh, now she's in debt. She's in she's in a, a ton of debt. I I think like fifty k was it fifty thousand dollars, Joe? Yeah. And she said, like, by the end of the month, if I'm beating everybody on the board, if I'm like the number one debt collector here, will you wipe my debt? And Jai Courtney, her boss, agrees to this thing. And uh, Jai Courtney in this movie was kind of uh, kind of played the villain in this. Was that the most ridiculous spray tan you've ever seen in your life? <laughs> yeah, I always wondered if it was part of the character, you know. I loved it. I loved it. I thought I thought I thought I thought Jai Courtney was fantastic in this movie as the villain. Oh I, yeah. I thought he yeah, was great. Dude. I thought he was so good. They need to like it's like one of those he's like one of those actors like you get him out of like what you think Jai Courtney's comfort zone is and you throw him in something like this kind of like with Daniel Craig when we saw him in Logan Lucky. For the first time, we saw that he could do like this, these weird, quirky characters. And then we, and then we give him knives out. I felt like Jai Courtney was kind of like that guy in this movie. Like we've seen him kind of like play just like the uh, straight and narrow, boring vanilla characters in a bunch of movies. And then they just let him fucking go wild here with this character in this movie. I thought he was fantastic. And, and I thought Zoe Deutsch was fantastic. Um, I really loved this movie. Um, fuck it. I'm gonna give it a Tupperware. I I thought that this movie was a lot of fun. Joe, what did you think about Buffaloed? And it takes yeah, place yeah. in Buffalo, New York, and it's just I love it. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I just I loved. I don't. I've never been to Buffalo. I I don't know, but but I, watching this movie, you can tell that that they they put Buffalo in as a character in itself, and like just the whole vibe of the city and the way who people. Who are super proud to be from Buffalo act. Um, you could turn this into a drinking game where every time they say jag off, you take a drink and you're going to be <laughs> fucking sloshed. But the time it's done, I mean, in a way, like it, it almost reminded me of the way the, the series Wayne was able to capture the way that people were from, from that area of, of Boston, yeah. the way that they talked and stuff. And in this, you know, it was all like, oh, you fucking jag off. Like, like, yo, you, you don't like the right type of wings, you fucking jag off. <laughs> and um all the characters in this they they were all so believable to me and they were all really well flushed out and everything and Jai Courtney's character was fantastic as the bad guy uh he he never crossed the point of being ridiculous even though he was a ridiculous character I felt like he played it just perfect and and yeah dude this one was a Tupperware for me too I I really liked this movie and I thought it did a really good job of straddling that line between having comedic moments and still managing to be a drama 
because as this movie goes on and then you're seeing this this main character, Peggy, and she's starting to do things that she said she wasn't going to do. And it's just all in this pursuit of money. And so you're seeing that this thing that she set out to do and she's wanting to do it, you know, legally and correctly, she's she's being corrupted and drawn into the other side. And and then all the twists and the turns and this kind of this war that she gets into with the other debt collectors. And it's just a really great movie from beginning to end. And, and you really kind of learn a lot of stuff in it as well, like about little different financial things and, and just this. Yes. You know, the, the I, like, the, I, I this, love the lesson story that, the greed and, and stuff is, is really bad and, and it kind of shows you why. It talks about like how many people are in debt and how ridiculous it is and, and, uh, like how the laws aren't changing and everything like that. It's very inform, informational. Yeah, and that debt never dies. Yes. That, that like, oh, if, if your parents were in debt and then they die, then those debt collectors are just going to be calling their next of kin then. And then when their kids die, if it's still, or, you know, when those people die, if the debt's still not paid off, it's going to go on to their kids. And it's, it really is kind of a bullshit system in a way. And, and she really lays that out towards the end of the movie when she's saying that, you know, this isn't, this isn't, you know, paying off debt isn't selling hope. It's really, it, it's taking things from people that have nothing left. And so it's really kind of the lowest of the low in the, in a way, you know, and, and this movie did a really good job of portraying all the different characters, the people she gets in her crew are a lot of really fun characters. Yeah. Oh God. The, the one woman that she hired that was, uh, she was once a prostitute and then she yes. was doing phone sex. And they got her to work there as a debt collector. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm impressed with all of the cast. I thought, I thought Jai Courtney was fantastic. I loved, I wish they would have gave Noah Reed a little bit more. I loved him as Patrick on Schitt's Creek. Um, Judy Greer was kind of like the weakest link in this whole movie. But I still thought her character was fantastic and it, it took me a little bit to actually pick her out of that big hair and all that makeup and everything. Yeah. Zoe Deutsch was, I loved her in this movie. I thought she was great. And then this director, Tanya Wexler, like I've never watched Hysteria, but like it makes me want to watch that now. I thought that this was very well directed. It felt, I don't know. This is one of those I wish I could have seen in the theater. You know what I mean? I wish I could have seen this one in the theater. It was, it's crazy that this dropped on Hulu. It's crazy to me that this just dropped on Hulu. Yeah, I know what you mean. This would have been a really good theatrical release. I loved it. Buffaloed on Hulu. I highly, highly recommend this one. It is a blast. It's a lot of fun. I watched uh two and a half episodes of Floor is Lava on Netflix. Have either of you watched any of Floor is Lava? I watched the first episode of this. Yeah, I watched the first two. Yeah, I watched two and a half. I... Teams compete to navigate rooms flooded with lava by leaping from chairs, hanging from curtains, and swinging from chandeliers. It's hosted by Rutledge Wood. I, did, did you, is he the, like, have you ever seen Rutledge Wood in anything else, Joe, Jake? No. He's, I guess. I did not recognize him from anything. I don't know. I think I looked at his IMDb. He's like. He's like a host of like these shows, like what was it, like Top Gear or something? I I think that is like a car show. 
I don't know. Like they acted like it was a big deal. It was hosted by Rutledge Wood. And I was like, I don't yeah, know. When they, when they said that in the intro where it's like, you know, the winners will get $10,000 and a chance to meet me, Johnny Fucknuts. And it's like, okay, who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'd have been like, I don't know who the fuck you are, Rutledge Wood. <laughs> Rutledge, doesn't Rutledge Wood sound like something that fucking Sophie would try to sell me in her porn email? <laughs> the Rutledge Wood. Yeah. That could be, that could be our next month sponsor. Yeah, I fucked myself in the ass with the really the old Rutledge Wood. <laughs> Buried it deep in the fucking garbage can. Oh my god! It like a VD that people got during the Civil War. Rutledge Wood. Yeah. Oh god! Top Gear, a couple NASCAR shows. Yeah. And now <laughs> Not he's, really anything. Now he's doing. Yeah. Who the fuck are you, Rutledge Wood? If he wanted to be on PCL, I'd probably say no. <laughs> I mean, I'd let him on. There's no way he could big time us. Rutledge Wood. Rutledge Wood. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a disease? It does. Oh my god. My dearest Jessica. It does before I've the- missed you these many months away. I've been suffering from the Rutledge Wood. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like before the vaccine. You know what I mean? <laughs> Rutledge Wood wiped out so many people. Before the vaccine. Like we don't hear about it anymore because there's a vaccine for Rutledge Wood. But back in the day, dude, it fucking many people died. Lots of people died from Rutledge Wood. <laughs> that weird fungal disease that makes people turn into like a tree so they look like Groot. Yeah. Now you're just getting silly, Joe. Yeah, you lost me. Now you're just that's getting... That's the thing. You've never seen that weird-ass disease that's like a fungal infection that like makes people look like their skin has bark on it? What the? It's horrifying. Isn't that a Game of Thrones thing? <laughs> no, it's a real thing in real life, and it's super gross. I'll look it up and send you his pictures that you'll find. Ah, probably get on that. <laughs> oh my god, that's nightmare inducing. You look up some fucked up shit, Joe. I don't know how it came on my radar, but it was one of those things where I saw it and I was like, oh, oh click away. That's so terrible. So yeah, this show, it's like, uh, they go into these rooms, and there's this, uh, you got a different, different, it's hosted by Rutledge Wood, everybody. <laughs> you didn't know. <laughs> One of the big selling points for me on this whole series. I was like, well, it's hosted by Rutledge Wood. It can't be half bad. Yeah, what can go wrong? What can go wrong with Rutledge? Yeah, Rutledge Wood. Um, but yeah, you have teams of three people and they each, they're, you go into this room and there's lava on the floor. We all remember being kids and playing that game. The floor is lava and you can't touch the floor and you have to jump from couch to whatever the fuck. And this is basically taking that concept, but actually making this, uh, this goo shit, this fucking water or whatever, they make it red so it looks like rot lava. And it, they, they make it erupt and everything every once in a while. And they have different rooms. Like the first room, I think, was like called like the bedroom. Uh, and then there's just different obstacles that they have to crawl over and get to an exit. And there's like many different ways that you can get to the exit. And, and you gotta work together as a team. Sometimes you gotta pull like a rope. Sometimes you gotta push a button. If you push the button, it'll lower something or, Whatever, and it's just honestly the first two episodes. Um, 
I'll give them a taste it because I, I don't know. I didn't care for the people that they had on the show. I felt I felt like the people sucked. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think it comes down to the people that you have on the show. Now, by the time you get to the third episode, the first the first team of people that they have on were called the the Mama's Boys, and it was these three black guys. And these guys were fucking great. I love their dynamic together. They weren't annoying. They were fun. Like one of them uh, played basketball for UCLA and uh, went there on a full scholarship. And they, they, you could just tell they had a great dynamic between the three of them. And I thought that the guy, these guys were hilarious together. But like, God, it, like, I don't know, suffering through some of these fucking contestants in the first two episodes. Like, I was just like, God, this... Some of this, I like seeing these people fall into the lava and die. But, uh, <laughs> I don't, just, some of these people were just so insufferable. I didn't, like the pastors, the youth pastors drove me nuts. Oh, the triplets also. The triplets sucked. Yeah, oh god, the triplets were terrible. But, I don't know, the, I think if you get the right contestants on the show, it can make it a lot more fun. So, um, overall, I'll just give this a taste it, to be honest with you. I, I, it's something I think I can just put on in the background. And if I don't like the contestants, I can kind of just like fuck around on my phone, you know? And if I do like the contestants, yeah. then I'll, then, then I'll be locked in. Um, but, uh, what, what did you guys think of this whole? Floor is, floor is lava hosted by the great Rutledge Wood. Rutledge Wood. Yeah, I'm right there with you. This was just a borderline taste it for me. Um, this looks like it would be a Tupperware to actually do, like to actually get to play this game would be yeah. a hell of a lot of fun. It had kind of mild escape room elements to it where there were like almost Easter eggs within the rooms too that would like give you little advantages if you figured out how to get through them. I kind of like that aspect of it. Yeah. But yeah, this was mostly boring to watch. Um, possibly more interesting contestants could help. I mean, maybe introduce alcohol into this show might make it a little bit more entertaining. That's what we do. <laughs> That's what we do here on PCL. <laughs> yeah. That's the PCL recipe. It's not doing shit this episode, but yeah, sometimes it works. Yeah, it just, it just didn't do much for me. I, I, falling into the lava wasn't all that great. I, the most, I enjoyed the falling was when they fell into the other obstacles in the room, more so than the lava. The hard hits against the surfaces. Yeah. Got a few laughs out of me, but I can't see watching more than three episodes of this and then just being completely done, though. It it seemed like it would just get very repetitive. Yeah. What did you think, Joe? Yeah, I agree with a lot of the points that have been made. Uh, I mean, all, all the bagging on the host aside, I, I really I – really, thought he was pretty annoying um <laughs> on his name but like just like the jokes and delivery and everything i was just like oh fuck and then the the contestants were so annoying those triplets were oh it was just it was and then when when spoiler when they all failed i was like thank goodness because fuck that i want to i want to see i want to see rutledge wood like get an ego behind the scenes like you know what I mean? Like if they if somebody filmed that him on on their phone, like having an ego driven moment where he's like, "Don't you know who I am? I'm Rutledge. Lava isn't red enough. I'm Rutledge Wood. I'm. What's this green? We need more guys in the lava. 
it, it does look oh, like it'd be boy. super fun to do. Yeah. And, um, and part of it was too, it's like, uh, did you notice how like these people had a really hard time keeping their feet on anything? So like, I'm like watching this. I'm like, you guys are all wearing terrible shoes for this. You all knew you yeah. were being, like climbing around and shit. You were in fucking tennis shoes. It's like, at least go out and buy some like wrestling shoes or, or like minimalist shoes. that have like no sole on them or anything. But like, I'm just watching these people skid off that pyramid and just judging. I'm like, that is a huge fucking edge. How are you falling off that yeah. big stupid shoes? Honestly, it's like, uh, who knows you, how manufactured. I'm oh, sorry, Ron. I know. I was just going to say like, do you have to wear your shoes? Like, I honestly think, like, on that pyramid, it'd just be better to just have your fucking feet, your toes. Just mm-hmm. use your feet. Oh, yeah. No, uh, yeah, for sure a lot of that game would have been way easier barefoot. Yeah, I was... how we played it when we were kids, too. I kept thinking, like... A lot like, of times with shows like this, production pretty much dresses you, so it's hard saying how much choice they had. I noticed that different contestants different had... Shoes. They all had different sneakers on. Yeah. Yeah, I looked for that. I was Me like, too. Are they all wearing the same pair of Adidas? No, they all had different... 10000 bucks on the line. You can spend some money on some shoes then. Some guys were wearing shorts. Some, you know, some people were, like, some of the women were wearing, like, you know, like, spandex and shit like that. Like, everybody was wearing different clothes. It was not like they went through wardrobe. So I think these people showed up in whatever the fuck they wanted to wear. Like somebody could have showed up in an evening gown if they wanted to on this show and heels and they wouldn't have, they were, okay, whatever. That's what you want to fucking wear. You wear it, you dumbass. I'm, <laughs> I'm Rutledge Ward. Um, but dude, I would love to see like Alex Honold from Free Solo, that fucking climber guy. Oh, he'd crush it, dude. He would crush this fucking show. He would, like, even take a route that they don't even have listed. He would just, like, walk on the walls like Spider-Man to the exit. He would walk on the ceiling. <laughs> There's this video that's been floating around of this uh, young professional climber. I saw it on Reddit last week, and uh, it, her name's Brooke Rabideau. And she you, – you, so people might have seen this video floating around on the Internet. It's this younger uh, gal, and she's climbing up, like, the bottom part of stairs in her house – and then she reaches over and like grabs onto like the, uh, like the stone chimney fireplace thing and like kind of traverses all around that and then goes over a bunch of different stuff. So basically she's just kind of doing this Flores lava routine in her house. Wow. But as a pro climber and it's just, she's in beast mode the entire time and it's so cool to watch, but it, it is like next level stuff like this because <laughs> she's not touching the floor at all. Yeah, I, I haven't seen, yeah, I'm three episodes in, and I still haven't seen anybody get all three people across. That's pretty cool. At least it's challenging. I think it would be even more boring if just everyone was doing it. I had Dan West on an episode earlier, you know, uh, I'd say, you know, about a month ago, and I talked about an old show that was on G4 called Unbeatable Banzuki. And that is a hundred times better than this. And you can watch it on Daily Motion for free. You don't even have to have a Netflix subscription. So watch Unbeatable Banzuki. It's way better than this. Same kind of premise. Fuck no. It, well, I mean, it's different mazes and shit, but you got like people that are like the best at what they do. They've got like people going through and riding a unicycle on these crazy mazes and people doing hand walks. They walk with their hands or somebody like, you know, um, not a bunch of dips, basically. Yeah, yeah. It, it, this is, uh, Unbeatable Banzuki is a completely different kind of show, but I just think, as far as entertainment value, I think it's like so much better than, you know, 
fucking floor is lava, which is fine. I, I yeah, I think it's like one of those things. Like I think after like four episodes, you can you're kind of like you're kind of like yeah, I get it, I get this show. But like, I, there's other shows that are kind of like this. But I can wa- I can continue to watch them. Like, you, give me a fucking American Gladiator show, I'll watch that all day. Even Wipeout, I think I enjoy more than this. Wipeout's a blast. I love that. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's fine. I don't know. I, you know, I, let's just blame Rutledge Wood. He's not a great host, right? <laughs> no, terrible. Yeah. Takes too much of himself. Yeah. maniac. Seriously, I don't know who the fuck you are, Rutledge Wood. They made a big deal about him. <laughs> I You're thought they did too. <laughs> and it kind of turned me off to the show. Like, I've never even heard of this guy, dude. Be a little humble. You know what I mean? Be a little yeah, humble. Like, talk about how you're glad for this opportunity to host this Netflix show. Yeah. That you're the Netflix show. Yeah. Oh, hi. I'm Rutledge. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, what are you bringing? <clears throat> Jesus Christ. I think, like, Robert Downey Jr., if he hosted this show, he wouldn't have fucking, like, hyped himself up so much as this no. as this fucking guy. Yeah, I don't think he'd ever stoop that low, but I, yeah, you're right. Like even, even him as an egomaniac wouldn't hype himself so much. He'd be humble. He would be humble. Ah, yeah. He would be very humble. I watched A Whisker Away. Did anybody get a chance to see A Whisker Away? Mm -mm. I tried watching this one. I got about 30 minutes in when I decided it really wasn't my cup of tea. Really? Oh, God. I I, I tried because I love the premise, but it was just. Yeah, we can get into it, but <laughs> go ahead. Mio Sasaki is a weird, this is an animated movie. It's a, J- a Japanese animated film. It's uh, produced by Studio Colorido Toho Animation and Twin Engine. And Mio Sasaki is a weird second year junior student who falls in love with her classmate, Kento Hinoi. Uh, Mugi tries to make Kento notice her every day. But all in vain. Nevertheless, while carrying a secret she can tell no one, Mugi continues to pursue Kento. Uh, Mugi discovers a magic mask that allows her to transform into a cat. However, there is also a probability that she might never become human again if she continues using the mask. So, basically, uh, you've got this girl, um, she has, um, First off, her family life, the dynamic there is kind of like her mother and her father are not together anymore, and her father's with a new woman, and she doesn't really care for her stepmom, but she also doesn't really care for her real mom. So she just kind of feels trapped. She doesn't she doesn't want to live with either of them. Um, and uh, she's obsessed with this boy, uh, Kento Hanodi. And... Um, she comes across this guy. He's, he's, they call him the mask seller and he gives her this mask and it looks like a cat and she puts it on. And when she puts it on, she becomes a cat, a young kitten. And the young kitten meets, um, the boy that she has a crush on. Now the young boy that she has a crush on loves this young cat, names the cat Taro loves this young cat, but he's a, he's so annoyed by her when she's herself, Mio, the girl, 
but she's in love with him because she, she knows how much he loves this, this cat. And she knows, she starts to learn things about him and she just falls in love with this boy. Now, um, unbeknownst to her, like, the more, if, if she gets to the point where she is done with being human and she just wants to be the cat, then her human side also has the ability, it has a mask. There's a mask, a human mask, and it, it'll fall off of her cat face. And then this guy can take her, can take that human mask and then he, he, he basically gains her life, her, uh, her lifespan as this cat and he'll sell it to a real cat who wants to become human. So that's what the mass seller does. He makes humans that want to be cats, cats, and cats that want to be human, human. And it's all done by these masks. And there's also this whole hidden city where were cats that were once humans live. It's a, it's a hidden city and that's, that's revealed within the movie. And, and, um, Joe, you watched 30 Minutes. I loved this movie. I thought it was so charming and fun, and I loved it. Uh, it's not Studio Ghibli, but my God, I, I I really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I, I think everybody gets something different out of anime, and sometimes it can be a little annoying to people, the way that some of these characters act, because they act differently, because this is like a, you know, this is a foreign animation film and like this girl does kind of act over the top and stuff like that. I I guess I'm kind of used to it what what did you not like about this I'm just curious dude you just hit the nail on the head with that is that I'm I don't watch a lot of anime and so I'm not really used to the style and she was so over the top yeah and just like love struck puppy and being so loud about it that I was like, oh, fuck, I can't keep doing this. But as soon as it got to that point where it was kind of near the beginning where she was walking and then she has the conversation with the mask seller and then he explains the stuff about, you know, well, if you're tired of that, give me your human mask. I, I was like, wow, that's a really cool twist on it. And I, I don't maybe I should go back and, and try and give it another shot and just, you know, with the knowledge of this is just what this style is like and it's intentionally over the top like that because that other angle of it was pretty cool. But I, I just tapped out because yeah, I, I get it. It, it did come off as annoying. I'm me. sorry, but they're like, think about how young she is. She's probably like 12, 13. Yeah. Think and think about 12 and 13 year olds when they first have this puppy love and how like, obsessed they are with like their first crush like and you know i i've seen i've seen this i've seen this happen like like it's not it's it's i guess it's presented a little over the top but i've seen it happen i've seen people talk like that i've seen kids talk like that oh for sure yeah and, and like i'm not trying to say that it wasn't believable or anything i guess it was like gosh now i'm coming to terms with my own crotchetiness <laughs> am, I, am I turning into that? <laughs> not at all. Not. At, I, I think it's a, you're just not used to watching anime and like characters acting over the top like this. You know what I mean? Like it. It's it is different. 
I remember and when I was, how old was I? I think I was like 13. There was a girl that I was not into, but she had a huge crush on me. And I mean, I heard from other people that she was telling people that she was going to have a party and it was going to be the, the Brian and I won't give her name out, but it was going to be the Brian and her name party. And I was going to be there and we were going to, you know, she was going to, there's going to be a cake and all the, the big party and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, it's like, I heard about this and I was like, Oh my God, that sounds crazy. I'm not even, I don't know this girl. I'm not even into her at all. And she's telling people that we're going to date and she's going to have this big party and it's going to be a big themed party about how our love that we have for each other. And like, I thought it was absolutely bonkers and crazy when people were telling me like what she was saying. And I was just like, this is just insane. But like, you know, that's, it's just how you are when you're that age, you know, you just, you, yeah, it sounds, it sounded nuts. And even in this movie, she was a little over the top, but she, you know, she was obsessed with this boy and anybody who said anything wrong about this boy, she would, she would go nuts. But I just, I really love the story about how, um, uh, just, uh, how she would become the cat. I thought that that was just fascinating how she would become the cat, how this boy had feelings for the cat. And, um, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil this one too much because, um, I really did enjoy it. I really did. I, I actually love this movie quite a bit. I loved it. Jake, I think you would like this too. And this is on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yeah. It's a Netflix original animated. It's a Japanese animated movie on Netflix. The description sounds really cool. I'm interested by what, you describing it. Yeah. I'll give it another shot then. I, I mean, cause it's, you know, I mean, Netflix just saved off right where I left. So I'll jump back into it and finish it since it's coming so highly recommended. I trust your opinion on it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like I said, you know, I'm not used to anime. So I mean, I should, and especially I always hear like Nana Pratt say so many great things about different animes and all the different ones you brought up. So I mean, it's, it's, it's an area that, that I don't have a lot of experience in, but it sounds like there's a lot of great content there. So, you know, I, I should do it. I would, well, maybe like you should watch a silent voice. Have you seen that? I've not seen that one. Watch that one first. Watch a silent voice. And that's on Netflix right now. Too. Yeah. Have you seen princess Mononoke? Yes. Yeah. I love that one. Okay. Have you seen, I feel uh, like Joe would love demon hunter. I mean, that's such an easy entry point, right? That one sounds really cool. Or Demon too. Slayer, I'm sorry. Yeah. Demon Slayer, yeah. Yeah, Demon Slayer. You would love Demon Slayer. At first I thought you were talking about Vampire Hunter D. No, I realized I, I, I think I was mixing that with Demon Slayer. And see, as I soon remember as I watching it, that. I knew it was wrong. I remember watching that in the 90s. Oh, God. You gotta watch Demon Slayer. Yeah, that's right up your alley, Joe. I, it's got Sweet. some really creepy horror elements to it that I think you'd really dig. What's it on? I'll give you, I'll give you access to it. It's on, it's on, uh, it's a crunchy roll, I think, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I don't think, I think they've got an exclusive deal with Cartoon Network. So none of the other streamers, but crunchy roll have it. I can give you access to my Verve and you can watch it there. It's fucking incredible. Nice. Yeah, I'll hit you up because that sounds awesome. First season was like 26 up. Jake, I'm still loving 
uh, Tower of God. And I think this week was the season finale, the Tower of God. It is so good. Mm, yeah, I need to check that one out. That's also a Crunchyroll deal, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Um, you should have left. Did you see this one, Joe? Yeah. You did? Uh, the story of a father and a daughter who get lost in an Ikea. <laughs> That's not legit. <laughs> they can't be right. <laughs> no, that is, that is not, that is not the synopsis for this. <laughs> You ever hear those stories, though, Joe? People, I, I would not be surprised. People getting lost in Ikea's. <laughs> there was like a hold on. There's a hold on. Let me look this up. Man rescued after being lost in Ikea for twelve days. <laughs> this happened. To, this happened to Belgium. No, disoriented shopper was rescued on Thursday. After being lost for nearly two weeks in an Ikea store near the Luxembourg border. <laughs> Late last month, Michael Parrish, 33, entered the premises for a quick stop to purchase an inexpensive lamp for his infant son's bedroom and the 100 lime green napkins requested by his wife, he says. However, after more than an hour of unsuccessfully searching for the cash registers, he knew he was in trouble. Quote, I kept following the stupid arrows on the ground, but as if by design, they only led me in circles. <laughs> each, each, each time I passed an employee, I tried explaining in perfectly good English that I was lost and desperately needed an exit, but no one understood me. They just kept repeating in those comical Belgian accents, eh, no, I'm sorry, we have no more in stock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is a real article or not. It sounds like a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one, though. I was like, oh no, this person is procreated. <laughs> He's passed his stupid ass genes off down the line. Now his kid's gonna get lost somewhere someday. Uh, yeah, you should have left. It's a uh, psychological thriller from Blumhouse Productions and uh, screenwriter David Kep. Yeah, from uh, Jurassic Park, Mission Impossible, Panic Room. Uh, Kevin Bacon and Amanda. <clears throat> excuse me, guys. Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried star as a couple seeking a restful vacation on an isolated edge of the world, only to discover that secrets demand a reckoning and travel with you. In this terrifying, mind-twisting tale, a father fights desperately to save his family from a beautiful home that refuses to let them leave. Uh, Theo Conroy is a successful middle-aged man whose marriage to his much younger wife, actress wife, Susanna, is shedding at this, is shredding at the seams, frayed by her secretiveness, her jealousy, and the shadow of his past. In an effort to repair their relationship, Theo and Susanna book a vacation at a stunning remote modern home in the Welsh countryside for themselves and their six-year-old daughter, Ella. What at first seems like a perfect retreat distorts into a perfect nightmare when Theo's grasp on reality 
begins to unravel, and he suspects that a sinister force within the house knows more than he or Susanna have revealed even to each other. It's based on uh, on the novel by uh, the best-selling German literary sensation Daniel Kelman. Um, you Should Have Left is written and directed by David Kep, uh, who did Stir of Echoes, a Kevin Bacon movie I love. Um, that movie. That movie's fantastic. Classic. And it's produced by Jason Blum, Kevin Bacon, and Dino Tool. Joe, tell me about You Should Have Left and your thoughts. This is one where a couple, well, maybe within the last week or two, uh, it popped up on Instagram. And so I watched just the very beginning of the trailer where it's showing the little girl getting tucked into bed and in the shadow of the dude on the wall. And I was just like, immediately scrolled. I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> this is, this is not the sort of shit for me. I don't, I don't watch these sorts of movies generally unless, you know, my, my arm is twisted into it by my wife and she's pretty good at getting me to watch them. But they're definitely ones where I'll wake up in the middle of the night and think about it and be like, no, nah, no, nah, this is all good. There's like when I watched the haunting of hills, haunting a hill house, like it fucked with me. Like wake up in the middle of the night and be like, "There's no bent neck, lady. You're fine, Joe. You're you're 39. Get the fuck up." <laughs> oh man, I bet that bent neck lady could give you an amazing blowjob, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I guarantee you. I guarantee. Angels line up. Oh my god! There, <laughs> no way she's like choking or gagging on your cock. You know what I mean? None of that shit. Like, <laughs> no, it's just like, you're taking it. Bent neck lady, go for Woo! Look at her go. Like a Pez dispenser. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know how that's sexual, but that's totally the way her head's shaped. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, this movie. Um, once I really got into it, it, it wasn't near as, as scary, I felt, as the trailer led on. It, I mm. thought that this movie was really suspenseful, and there was lots of moments in it where I had you know, like full-body goosebumps, like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And and I thought that this movie did a really good job of building that suspense in, in the way that they did things in the house, where the house would kind of change itself. I thought that that was all really cool, uh, really, really great concept. And and I've always been a, a sucker for, for haunted house things. Yeah, like movies and storylines, especially when people get trapped in the house. Like, I don't know why, but I've always been a sucker for those storylines. And so this movie should have clicked with me a lot harder than it did. And I think really, like without spoiling anything, I, I didn't like the end of the movie. And it was one of those ones where Sue's credits rolled. The first thought popped into my head was, well, that was dumb. But like, I really enjoyed the first, like the, the, the majority of the movie where everything built up, I really liked. But the way that it wrapped up, I don't know if it would be as enjoyable on rewatches for me. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's just a, a taste it for me at the end of the day. But um, I thought the performances in it were really, really good for the most part. Um, <clears throat> the whatever actor they had playing like the 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 entity or whatever that that you know it, it's shown in the in the dream. At the beginning of the movie, like what weird casting for that, but but I thought everything else was really, really pretty good. Just the ending just felt very lackluster to me. Yeah, I thought the most interesting character in this was actually the house. Yeah, and I think that's where the movie fails. I think 
I'll give it a taste of it as well. I think what they should have done is they played up this whole thing of this guy, Kevin Bacon's playing uh, Theo, got a new wife here, got a young daughter, was married at one time, made headlines because um, his wife died in a mysterious way, died in the bathtub. A lot of people thought that he was responsible for her death. And so the whole, the movie is kind of like, and I don't think it does it well enough. I don't think that the movie like makes you think one way or another, did he do it or did he not do it? I think there should have been more of that going on in this movie where it's like one minute you're thinking like, oh, he, he definitely did it. And then the next minute you're thinking like, oh no, maybe he didn't do it. Like there, there wasn't enough of that for me, Joe. Like, see, I, I, I kind of got some of that out of it though, because there was a lot of things that he was doing where he was displaying all these traits that he was this very jealous and possessive husband. And so for me, that character trait lined up with, well, geez, maybe he did do something to his first wife just because he's, he's not being shown to be the greatest guy in all of this, even though he seems like he's a really great dad. See, I don't, I don't, I, 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 I see what you're saying, but I don't agree with you because, it's, because and I don't want to spoil too much, but like, I think he had every reason to fucking worry about what was going on in his fucking marriage. That was just a he guy worried about his point. fucking marriage. Yeah, and he had yeah. every fucking. There were signals, man. And I, well, I, I think that once that part resolves, absolutely. But building up to. To, you know, building up to it, I mean, it was, it was still somewhat in the wind, but I see where you're coming from. I, but I didn't see any, I didn't see anything from him that made me feel like he was like this treacherous, possibly murderous type of guy. Yeah. From like what I was, what I was seeing there. I just saw a guy that was kind of like, I've got this younger wife who's an actress and that other men find attractive and, and she is acting, she is fucking around on her phone a lot. She fucking around on me. Just, you know, like, there's a ton of guys that are in that situation right now. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't mean that they're gonna fucking kill their wife. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just like they've, and it just means that they, they're, they're, they're involved in a relationship where maybe they're not with somebody that's 100% committed to like their marriage. Yeah. But, but I, but I don't know if the movie did enough to show me that this guy, did or did not have it in him to be a killer. Does that make sense, Joe? It it does make sense. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, but also the way that it was filmed and the way that the story was laid out is for a while I was questioning if if the reality that that Kevin or um, Kevin Bacon's character was processing was the same reality that everybody else was experiencing. Mm. And so you know there there was a yeah. little bit of that element in there because, you know, I mean, he's, he's having so many different dreams and in the dreams he's in the house and is he just overreacting in the moment? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like there's almost an, an aspect of like the, the shining. In yeah. With, yeah. With, 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 you know, is this guy losing his mind? Is he losing touch with reality? And then as the, the story unfolds, it's like, yes and no. In some aspects, he was dead on the money. In some aspects, no, he was way off. Mm-hmm. And I think it's all in how we interpret it. Cause I, I totally see what you're saying here with kind of like the shining and the dreams and the things like that. I just honestly, at the end of the day, 
The ending wasn't satisfying. I agree with you. And it wasn't scary. No, by the time this movie was over, I was like, I almost felt silly that, that the trailer was like, had me worried that, that this was something that was going to freak me out. I thought the trailer was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, the trailer did a good job. It, yeah. it freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give it a borderline, ta- I'll give it a solid taste, it, but uh, I don't think this is anything you have to, to rush out to watch right now. Would you agree with that, Joe? Yeah, yeah, totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Um, burp, burp, beep, 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 burp, burp, Lost Bullet. Did you get a chance to see this one, Joe? No, I did not get to this one. Fuck. Watch Lost Bullet, people. Watch Lost Bullet. This is a French movie. It's a French action film. It's directed by Guillaume Piret, a small-time delinquent turned police mechanic. Goes for a, uh, for a go fast task force is forced to defend his innocence when his mentor is killed by dirty cops. Stars Alban Lenore as Lino, Nicholas Duvachel as Oreski, and a bunch of other fucking French people. <laughs> From France. <laughs> you bring honor to them all there. <laughs> Dude, this is a badass fucking movie. This is a badass movie. This is, I, I'm going to give it a high fucking taste. That I, and I fucking really enjoyed this one quite a bit. This is not like the fighting in Weera that we saw with like the, you know, the martial arts and stuff like that. This is just like, this is a motherfucker that can ground and pound. This, cool. th- this fucking Alban Lenore, like there's a whole fucking, there's a scene where he's busting out of jail and he's just beating the shit out of cops, just beating the shit out of them. And it's not like fucking, like, he's not like fucking like, uh, eco UAs or, you know, he's not like fucking doing all this high flying kicks. And sh- it's just grounded pound. He's fucking some people up. And, um, he, 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 at the beginning of the movie, he's getting ready to steal some jewels out of this building and he's got this car. And he's got it hooked up to like, I don't know, he's got it hooked up like this, this, like this fucking switchboard or something and it's got like nitrous oxide and he can, he can like push the car into another gear to where it just goes super fast and it's like a battering ram. And he's just gonna fuck, he puts on a helmet, his fucking, his brother's with him, he puts on a fucking helmet and they go so fast that they go flying into this jewelry store and he can't stop. And he's, he's hitting the brake, but he can't stop. And he flies through a fucking wall. He flies through another fucking wall. Next thing you know, he fucking, the car is on the outside of the fucking store. They just fucking broke, went through cement, uh, just through these, he just fucking like busted down these cement walls and they're on the outside. He gets busted, ends up going to prison and the police are sick of these drug dealers getting away from him on the road. These drug dealers are just out racing him, out speeding him. And so this one police officer hires him, says, I'm going to put you on kind of like this uh, prison program to where like you'll be able to leave prison and, and you'll be able to make our cars faster. That way we can, we can fucking catch these guys. They're getting away from us. And so he does this and it helps him actually get an early release. And so when he gets his early release, He's helping, um, he's helping like bust, um, uh, these dealers 
and he's being set up. His, uh, his, uh, the, the, him and the police officer that he's working with are being set up. And there are some crooked cops that end up killing like his police officer buddy. And, uh, they try to pin the murder on Lino. And the whole movie's kind of like about Lino proving his innocence. And, uh, there's some great action in this movie. I, and some great car chases and some great fights in this movie. It's called Lost Bullet. It's on Netflix. I highly recommend it. I give it a Tupperware. I thought it was fantastic. I really, not Tupperware. I give it a high taste it. I, I really, I really enjoyed this one. I can't quite give it a Tupperware just because, I don't know. I guess some of the acting isn't just, isn't stellar, but, um, overall, and I don't know how many, if it's like, if it's got like the rewatchability, but it's definitely, definitely worth a, a one time watch. It's, it's a lot of fun. Is it dubbed or subtitles? It's dubbed. Okay. Okay. Mm hmm. And it's that dubbed. That sounds awesome. I'm going to check that one out. It's dubbed quite well. I had a lot of fun with this one. This guy kind of reminds me of like a Jason Statham type. I, I don't know. I, this guy that plays Lino is kind of a badass. I thought he was kind of cool. Um, I don't, did you guys have any personal good pop, bad pop that you wanted to talk about? I had a couple of comics that I read that I could give a, uh, brief reviews for. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, you and I were texting earlier in the week and we were talking about TKO Studios. And I couldn't really think of any books off the top of my head that I'd seen for them. And so I got on their website and found a couple, um, four different number ones that I wanted to check out. And I got two of them read. Um, the first one is called Seven Deadly Sins. And, um, it's, uh, written by Z Chun and art is by, uh, Artum Trakhanov. And, uh, the synopsis for this book is 1867, the Wild West, a kidnapped child, a fallen priest, a deadly crew of death row criminals led by an African-American outlaw who embark on a bloody quest of redemption and revenge to gain what they've searched for their entire lives, freedom. Uh, this book is basically like the Suicide Squad meets the Old West. And uh, for for issue number one, it was a Tupperware. It was great. The The art style in it's really good. The The story that's laid out in this number one is, is really fantastic. It's... Um, we got this main character that, uh, he gets, uh, so what is he, he, he gets put in prison and they're taking him to, uh, San, it's taking place in Texas and they're taking him to San Antonio to stand trial and then bring him back for execution. And so he's in this wagon with all these other criminals that are going for, for execution. And this one priest that finally kind of decides that, you know, he's done serving the power structure slips this guy a Bible and tells him that, you know, his salvation's inside. And then they throw him in this wagon with all these other criminals and they get in a scuffle in the wagon between the outlaws and this Bible falls out and there's a lock pick in it. And so they free themselves and end up fighting these, these, um, uh, guards that were around them. And then, uh, by the end of the book, they're kind of deciding what they're going to do. And then this priest shows up with a bunch of horses and says that he's got a mission for him. And so this first issue is just kind of laying out this groundwork for this suicide squad meets out, uh, you know, old West style story. And the, the first issue is laid out so well. 
Um, I think that this whole thing is out in trade right now. Like I said, I've only read the first one so far, but I plan on seeking out uh, the the trade or at least just seeing where they're at in single issues if the trade isn't out yet. But um, yeah, Seven Deadly Sins with uh, TKO Studios. This was a really good book. Yeah, TKO uh, Studios. Like, uh, I want I want you to talk about the next book, but they they reached out to me in an email and they were like, "Oh, we really enjoy your." I don't know if they'd listen. I I mean, you know what I mean? Like, they could just my name could be on a list somewhere, and they could just be sending the same email to everybody. I don't know if they listen, but they they want they're going to send me some of their comic books. For me to check out and they want me to let everybody know if, what I think about them. So I thought that that was kind of cool. So I was like, yeah, sure. You can send me your books. And it sounds like you read that one and really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. It, w- it was really good. And like this, this publisher's got some good artists under their, under their belt too. They, there's a Garth Ennis book called Sarah that I haven't gotten to yet, but I remember seeing it advertised all over on social media. And then, um, the, they've also got a Jeff Lemire book called Sentient that's out that is actually uh, been nominated for an Eisner Award. Wow. Uh, this book released in, I believe, 2019. And um, that that's the other one I read. And Sentient is – it's written by Jeff Lemire. And trying to see who the artist is on this. Gabrielle Walta? Yes. Thank you. Um, and so I read the number one on this, and this is a really, really cool concept for a story. It's taking place way in the future when when Earth is quickly becoming unhabitable, and there's a colony of like a new Earth that's way, way out in space. And so this book, this number one, starts off on this big ship that's carrying all these people from Earth to this new area. And they're about to go into this no communication zone that will take them a few years to get through. Where there's not there's not going to be any communication that they can have with Earth and no communication ahead with the colony that they're moving towards. It's like a total blackout zone. And in this in this first issue, as they're going into it, they find out that there's political unrest between Earth and in this new colony. And there's a separatist movement that's coming up that's trying to argue and say that you know all the the government structures from Earth failed, and so they need to start fresh on this colony. And they're kind of being viewed as like a terrorist threat. Well, it, it turns out that one of the, the crew members on the ship is working for this terrorist organization and she releases a poisonous gas. And one of the crew members in an, in an attempt to, to kind of, you know, fend it off because they're all trapped in this room and they're all dying. Well, this ship's AI isn't able to help her. And when she says, you know, oh, I need you to kill this person, she's like, Oh, I can't. It's against, it's against my core programming. And so she takes the captain's access, who's like dying, and sets this AI computer free and orders her to kill this other lady. And so it works out that all the adults on the ship die, and it's only children that are left with this AI. They're completely out of communication. They're going to be in it for several years. And so it's almost like it's setting up for like a Lord of the Flies like in space, but like with a weird – computer ai that's going to try and keep the peace and like raise these children and it's jeff lemire so i mean the just the i mean the sheer potential of it is huge and to to hear that the series has been nominated for an eisner i've only read the first issue so far and and it was a tupperware it knocked my socks off so this is another one that i'll be seeking out the trade for and and see how far along it is but for for those being the first two books I picked up from TKO Studios and having them both be Tupperwares, I think that this would definitely be a publisher to keep an eye on if if you're a fan of independent comics. 
That's cool. I think they're trying to get, they're really trying to get their name out there if they're in contact with us. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's a lot. I've been looking at books the whole time. There's a lot of good people on that. Uh, Garth Ennis book, Sarah, Steve Epstein is who does the art for that. And he is one of my all time favorite artists. He did all of the uh, Mark Wade, Captain America stuff and did Fantastic Four. And he, he is fantastic. Steve Epstein is gorgeous. Awesome. Yeah, that I have that book downloaded on my Comixology app, so I'll be reading it within the next couple of days. I'll let you know how it was. Oh, man. I w- I'll contact them and see if they'll send you copies of this shit too, Joe. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> I would not turn that down, man, because these are great. If, yeah. if, if you have any say on what you can get, I highly recommend you getting The Seven Deadly Sins, because I could totally see you loving that one with the yeah. Wild West angle. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it, it, the Sixth Gun by Colin Bunn is one of the best fucking comic books ever written. It's so good. Oh man, I love Cullen Bunn, but I don't know if I've heard of that one. It's his best book. No shit. It's his best (laughs) book to date. Yeah. It's definitely what he's most proud of. Um, Yeah. I I feel like that's kind of his baby. Once it gets adapted, if if somebody can adapt the six gun correctly, like whether it be uh, uh, like a movie series or if it's an Amazon series, the six gun would just blow people away. It is fucking amazing. If you don't fuck fuck it up like if you don't dark tower this shit if you fucking make it right the six gun would be an amazing series who's the publisher on that oh god who did six gun Ugh, i'm trying to look it was up it, fast but was it like oni press or something i can't remember i think that's right but I, i'm getting there six gun comic uh, yeah it is oni press thank you Correct. oh sweet yeah oni press has some good books too but, uh, Jake, did you have anything for personal Go Pop, Bad Pop? Uh, no, not this week. Reunited Apart Ghostbusters, did you enjoy it? Oh, yeah. Um, I thought it was, was pretty decent. This was the first of those Reunited Aparts I've seen. It's my least um, favorite. It's the only one I've seen, yeah. I, it was a half an hour. Um, it wasn't brilliant. They really didn't give anyone much time to tell any great stories or any information I didn't already know. And the people all kind of seemed very disconnected for something that's supposed to reunite people with each mm-hmm. other. No one really seemed like they were getting on with each other very well at all. I would recommend watching the other ones that they've made. Like on, yeah, it, yeah it, this was my, I, I, I enjoyed it, but it was my least favorite of out of all the uh, reunited apart series. Yeah, I really want to check out the Lord of the Rings one since they got so many people to come back from that. I'm not going to lie. This felt incomplete without Rick Moranis. Yeah, it really did. It really did feel incomplete. And, and, uh, yeah, I didn't like the fact that he was not there. Every, well, and, uh, you know, you know, there, there's the, there's the void of Harold Ramis too. So. Yeah, I mean, that one's understandable why sure. he's not there, though. Yeah, so, right. And I don't know, do the other reunited aparts bring in such minor, worthless characters to interrupt the proceedings, too? I thought, well, we only have a half an hour. I don't really give a shit about what the two people in Bill Murray's class at the beginning of the movie think about any of this. Yeah, I thought that that was kind of ridiculous, too. That yeah, was- I felt like Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray didn't get much time to talk because we're dealing with, like, characters that have one and a half lines in the movie. I loved it when they brought Ray Parker in to sing the song, but like, I didn't give a fuck about like the, the, the girl and the guy that were part of that, uh, 
social experiment that Bill Murray conducted in the first movie. That's yeah, hilarious. Rick, <laughs> yeah, Ray Parker was good though. I, I it's, it was like a fine line between like not dogging him for the Huey Lewis and the new stuff though, right? Cause you know, originally he was supposed to be the one that did the song. Yeah. And backed out at the last minute. Yeah. And then he actually sued Ray Parker Jr. over the baseline from the Ghostbusters song and won that lawsuit. That it's the same exact same line from I Want a New Drug. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Sure. I thought it was funny they asked Ray Parker Jr. how he came up with the song. I was like, well, I listened to Huey Lewis, I Want a New Drug. Next one, uh, did you see that the next one they're teasing is Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I did. I think that has the potential to be a lot of fun. They just won't have the principal on that one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they will not. I don't know, though. Matthew Broderick is pretty stiff and boring in his older years. Uh, Jennifer Grey, Charlie Sh- Oh, Charlie Sheen will be interesting. Yeah. Mr. Tiger Blood himself. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Guys, uh, let's, I don't have anything else. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and do the news. How's that sound? Yeah. I was not impressed with this. I'll give it a taste that for this Ghostbusters. Part, yeah, I was a little disappointed too. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I taste it. If you're a huge Ghostbusters fan, it is one of my all time favorite movies. It's not without enjoyment and joy. But it's also not just going to give you 30 minutes of goosebumps by any means. Yeah, case. and it felt like Annie Potts wanted to be doing anything but that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, do all of them have these, like, staged, like, moments with each other? Like, that was kind of annoying. Um, I felt like in the Back to the Future one, there was some staged stuff with Christopher Lloyd, but everything else seemed like it was natural. In, in, in like the Lord of the Rings and the Goonies one, it felt like everything came natural. Okay, that's good to know. Half of this felt like it was a script, and that, that yeah. was a little eye-rolling at first. Yeah, parts. yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with the Pop Culture Leftovers news. Sounds good. Did you watch this, Joe? I, I, I didn't, I wanted no, to... No, I've never seen any of these together apart. Um, I, you, you didn't I even get the name the right. Episode. You didn't even get the name right. You said together apart. It's Where called, What's it's it? called, it's called reunited apart. <laughs> and like you called it a completely wrong name. Like, yeah, yeah, that's how much, that's how disconnected you are from reunited. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a, a, like a British sitcom together apart. To, together apart. Oh, Jake, let's start writing that fucking thing. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> you should, uh, Joe, are you a big fan of Lord of the Rings? Uh, dude, I love Lord of the Rings. I, that's the one you you need to watch that one. Yeah, when you talked about that one, that was the one where I was like, fuck, I should look this up. And yeah. then I just fucking didn't do it. But, yeah, dude, I would love to see more of that from from those. I love that. That's that classic Joe Stark laziness. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, <laughs> trying to argue it. Trying to motivate you to do anything. <laughs> you were on a roll this week. Fucking, I watched so much stuff. Dude, I know you were on a, you were on a fucking <laughs> roll. You were on a fucking, Jake didn't watch shit this week. He watched that, oh, he watched God. one episode of that lava show. I know, and I picked like the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, trying to get Jake to watch anything is like pulling teeth. I, yeah, just, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if Jake shows up and he hasn't watched shit. I just love talking to, I just love Jake. But you, Joe. 
You got you got your work cut out for you. You know what I mean? Like you're not, you come with content or you get the fuck off. You come with you come with content or you can get the fuck off my show. I'm like I, I rule I rule with an iron fist. I'm like fucking I'm like Rutledge Wood on this fucking show. You know what I mean? Who are you? This is my I'm Rutledge Wood and this is my fucking show. That's who I am, you son of a bitch. Um <laughs> You were doing so good until we got the fucking uh, lost bullet, and then you you lost I all. My, I really let you down. You though. lost all my respect when you didn't watch that French action film. <laughs> oh, we we. <laughs> I think of all the things you guys talked about, the thing I want to watch the most is definitely the uh, Gordon Levitt airplane movie. Seventy five hundred. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I want to see that door get knocked on. I think I think the the way I need to get Jake motivated to watch stuff is I need to give you an allowance. Like I'll give you I'll give you ten bucks if you watch this thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I need to I need no I need to treat you like a teenage son. Like if you mow the I lawn, know, I don't know if if, if you, would even help me out this week. If you mow the lawn, I'll give you like you know five bucks. <laughs> if you fucking clean out the shed, I'll give you three bucks. I think like that's how I need to treat Jake with fucking good pop, bad pop. You know, like I'll give you twenty, <laughs> I'll give you twenty bucks if you watch this, Jake. You know, I'm definitely missing being able to go to the movies. That, that was a good way to get the phone out of my hand and for me to pay attention and watch something. Yeah, yeah, all right. So, I don't know. I think I have a lot of ADD with some of these TV series. A lot of times, I don't know. Jake, I, I don't care what you watch or don't watch. You don't have to defend yourself. I, 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 I'm just saying, you know. It's not, you know what? It, 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 it's never bothered me. Well, it has. In the past, it bothered me. But it hasn't. I'd say, I'd say. Really? No, 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 no. No, it used to. It used to. But, like, would you say within the last three years, have I given a fuck? Oh, no. I'm not. As you can tell by the way I'm talking, I don't. I know you're not upset or anything. It's, dude. I've never had to take it. Like in the last few years, I've never had to be like Jake. Jake, I think I think you need to. I think you need to. No, dude. I don't, dude. I just want, dude. As long as you fucking show up, you're my, you're, you're, you're one of my best friends in this whole fucking world. I don't care what you watch. I don't care what oh, you for watch. For sure, for sure. I just try to help out, fill in if there's some awkward pauses. Try to be quick on the Google if anyone gets stumbled yeah. or something. I'm telling you, there, there's no seriously. Like, I couldn't ask for a better fucking co-host on this goddamn show. That's the fucking oh, truth. That's the fucking truth. I'm telling you. I'm not, I'm not even joking, Jake. Like, I'm telling oh, I you. Know. I know. That's, that's the god-honest goddamn truth. I, I, there's there's nobody else that I'd rather have on this fucking show than you. All right. Are, are we on break? Are we telling this to everyone? Yeah, fuck it. I'll tell it to everybody. I don't give a I'll shut it. I'll shut it from the goddamn rooftops. I love you, Jake. Ah. Oh, man, this should be private love. <laughs> I want a private session after this. <laughs> Social distance. Lap dance. I'll give you one of those six foot lap dances. Yeah. How's this sound? I'll get my extender pole with the dollars ready. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with the news and all that other shit that we do every week. Here's the news. Here's the Marvel news. Here's the DC news. The Star Wars news. Take that out. We're done. Open wide. Here comes the plane. <laughs> We'll be right back. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. 
I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you two will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt and the next thing you know you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying holy shit that freckled face fucker was right anyway the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link what that means is when you click on the link from their website it helps the show it doesn't charge you extra at all you just shop like you regularly would and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient. Just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. We're back, you sons of fucks. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Love how I dress our listeners. I thought you were talking to me and Joe. <laughs> no, that's a that's our listener base there, bro. Sons of fucks. Okay. Back with the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a lift of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All right. News from Dark Horizons. Descender, Ascender, becoming a TV series. Joe, did I just hear you orgasm? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Lark, did you want it animated or live action? Lark Productions has acquired the exclusive television rights to the Image Comics sci-fi graphic novel series Descender and its sequel, Ascender, which hails from Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn. Dustin Wynn. Jesus Christ. His fucking, uh, it, 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 his art is amazing. It looks like, uh, watercolors. It's it's watercolor art and it's fucking incredible. It's like one of the most unique comic books you can pick up in terms of art style. And if it doesn't immediately capture your imagination, then I don't even know what to recommend. You're a piece of shit and you should be fucking killed. (laughs) (laughs) Descender and Ascender are they're they're in like a category almost all by themselves. There, it's really hard to compare something to them. Descender ran from 2015 to 2018 across 32 issues and follows Tim 21, a companion robot who is thrust into a hostile cosmos when he discovers that he's the missing link between a fleet of life annihilating constructs and modern robotics. Ascender is currently ongoing after having launched in 2019 and is set a decade later, imagining a magical world sans machines and follows a young girl who embarks on an epic quest to find Tim 21. Haskett, Lemire, and Wynn will serve as executive producers on the series, which isn't slated, it, which isn't related to Sony Pictures' planned Descender film adaptation. Those rights were sold in 2015, but that project has apparently made no further progress. So, yeah, it doesn't say that it's, I would happen, I, I would, I would imagine that this is going to be a live action TV series. Damn that! I'm excited about that because I mean, really, if they would have done it in animation, it would have paled in comparison to the artwork that's in the book. So I, I think it it it's much more promising to do it in live action, and 
man, they could really get the grittiness down on it too. I mean, this could be really amazing. I never, uh, started Ascender, but I loved Descender. Ascender, I've only read the first couple issues of so far. I'm, I'm way behind on that one, but, um, so in, in Descender, it was all technology and everything. And Ascender takes place like several years after the conclusion of Descender. And it's, it's, there's no technology in, in Ascender. And so kind of magic has, has come in and taken its place. So Ascender is much more like fantasy grounded, whereas, um, you know, Descender was much more sci-fi. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's still that same awesome art style and everything. I haven't read enough of Ascender to really speak to, the storylines in it yet, yeah. but I mean, just concept wise, I'm, I'm hooked on it. And Descender is one of my favorite comics of all time. Oh my God. Can you imagine the budget that's got to be on this, sh- on the show though, for like some of the special effects and things? I think about like the book, you know, dude, I want to see live action harvesters. Yeah. That'd be fucking mind blowing. And the way that all the space fleets and everything look in the book and, and those giant robots that they encounter. Yeah, those are the harvesters. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, like God. the planet-sized fucking. Yes. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! I can't imagine. Oh shit! Yeah, dude. This is yeah. If Amazon Studios gets this, they'll put this into the budget. Yeah. So so Descender, like if, if anybody doesn't really know what it's about, it, it takes place in this this it's a it's a sci-fi story where people had robots that were helping them with all sorts of different stuff. And then one day these big giant robots that they called harvesters showed up and annihilated all these like federated planets. But none of the robots that were on those planets were targeted. It was really only people. And so then this huge revolution followed where everybody was destroying all these different robots. And then years later, this one robot is found on this colony, this Tim 21 robot. And there's something to do with his programming that like matches the programming of the harvesters. And so then he becomes the centerpiece of this big thing where all these different and power. Tim 21 is a, a him and Tim 21 is like a very young boy. Yeah. He looks like, just a, like a total sweetheart. Yeah. Like if you've seen the movie AI, he just looks like that little boy, that little AI robot from. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But some of the robots in this that you encounter, man, have some just incredible personalities. They remind you of kind of like the snarky droids that you would meet like in uh, in a Star Wars movie, you know? Uh-huh. Oh, man. Man, this – I am so excited about this and – oh, wow. Like it, w- it would have to be on something, you know, like like Netflix or Amazon or something like that. So, I mean, that's – that's even more exciting, man. Like all the different possibilities of what they could do with this in live action is, is really awesome to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lark productions. I'm not familiar with Lark productions. Sony has the rights to the, to the exclusive rights to the film adaptation, but TV adaptation, it looks like Lark productions has the exclusive television rights to this. I'm not familiar with Lark productions. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not either, but I, I think that I'm way more excited about a TV series with this. Assuming that they're going to start off with a plan, <laughs> you know, and, and really have like a, a few seasons plotted out. But with 32 issues of the comic out, they've, they've got plenty of source material to work off of. Whereas I feel like with just like a, a 90 minute or even a, you know, a two to three hour movie, 
you'd have to pick and choose what you want to take from those 32 issues. Yeah. And, you know, maybe just the core idea. But then like a lot of the nuance and character building and stuff would, would be getting left out. Yeah. I think this is better served on, on a television screen. And I, I honestly think that if this does well, we might never see Sony do anything with the movies. The, those rights might lapse. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And, and you know, if, if, as far as comic books and stuff go, if Sony's still pushing and, you know, into their spider verse and stuff, maybe they're preoccupied with other comic book projects right now. Anyway. Yeah. Looking forward to descender and then ascender. Hopefully hitting Netflix or Amazon or fuck even HBO. Crap. That'd be incredible. Um, remember the biopic that we talked about with, uh, Jamie Foxx as Mike Tyson? We talked about that biopic. They were talking about finding Mike. I, I yeah. remember about that. Yes. It's still happening. This comes from Dark Horizons. Jamie Foxx knows his way around biopics, even winning a best Actor Oscar for his work in Ray. Now it appears as if his long in development life story of former boxing champion Mike Tyson will be coming to the big screen sooner than expected. Speaking on Mike Birnbaum's Instagram live series catching up, Fox was asked if the biopic is still in the works and replied with a definitive yes before explaining the delays. Quote, look, doing biographies is a tough thing. Sometimes it takes 20 years to get them done, but we officially got the real ball rolling. We want to show everybody evolves. I think when we lay the layer of Mike Tyson in this story, I think everybody from young and old will be able to understand this man's journey. And then just the technology of how I'm going to look, I guarantee you people will run up on me on the street and ask for autographs and think that I'm Mike along with a brutal training regime to help Fox resemble the championship boxer. There'll be makeup and visual effects work done to including calf prosthetics because Fox says, quote, I ain't got no calf muscles. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys see the pictures that were posted recently on uh, Twitter of, of, yeah. Did you see it? It was Jamie Fox training. And getting in shape for the role of Mike Tyson. And Jesus Christ, 52 years old, Jamie Foxx, uh, it looks jacked as fuck. Yeah. It looks like a fucking house. And it's crazy that he says that he still has a ton more work to go. Like, these pictures make it look like he's pretty much about there. Oh, man. He does have a little bit. Mike Tyson was just, uh, you know, you're talking about a guy who's five foot ten and just like, just, just all muscle. Back then. I mean, he was just so, just all muscle. So he has a little bit of work to go. They, they're going to have to do some CG, it looks like. It's some, uh, he's talked about, uh, visual effects work. But man, I can't he, imagine that he, Mike himself is probably happy with this casting. Have you seen Mike training recently? Yes. Have you seen those videos of him training? Isn't he going to fight someone or something like Here's that? The like, uh, Here's the thing. Here's the room. Evander Holyfield is training right now. Mike Tyson is training right now. And they think that there's going to be a charity fight between those two. A third fight. A rematch. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I would love he to look- hear the trash talk for that. Dude, in those videos that Tyson just recently released where yeah. he's like, yeah, I'm back. 
like he was scary. He's scary. <laughs> he's still, a, he's still a scary human being. When Mike Tyson trains, when he puts his all into it, it's scary. You know what I mean? Like that guy was just, oh my god, just he's he just, just fast a, as he could still move. It's like, yeah. holy shit, dude, he's still got it. And every, like everybody was, like, he would fight guys like Mike, Mike Tyson's like, what was he, five ten? And he would fight guys that were like six four, six five, and you know, talk, talking and like you know, these guys always had a more of a reach on him. You know what I mean? They always had a bigger reach on him, and everybody was like, ah. They, you know, like, uh, it, it, like even though Mike Tyson was like five, you know, sh- short and like he was like, he was like the, the, the champ back in the day. Like you'd get hit him fighting these taller guys and everybody would talk about like, Oh, the, this guy's got the reach on him though. This guy's got the reach on him. It doesn't matter. Once Mike Tyson got inside, once Mike Tyson got close enough to you, you were fucked. You were fucked. That guy, if he uppercut you, you're fucking done. You're fucking done. Even those jackhammer jabs that he would do if he got up close to you, just oof. Yeah, you're done. You're fucking done. I don't know, man. I would, this, this biopic, I'm looking forward to it. Jamie Foxx, I don't know, like, I think Mike Tyson has a fascinating life. Like, if you ever seen, like, the documentary that Spike Lee directed, that was, uh, uh, the Mike Tyson one man kind of like special that he did on HBO. I think it was just called like Mike or Tyson or whatever. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Just this guy has a fascinating life. And, um, it sounded though, like, you know, when we talked about it before, wasn't it called like, I forget, like, wasn't it, it sounded like it was going to be more like a, uh, um, focused on his trainer, cuz. Oh, I remember talking about that. Yeah. I don't know. It's called Finding Mike. Starring Jamie Foxx. I think it's going to be a Mike Tyson biopic. Yeah, that makes much more sense. I mean, that's definitely the story. You could still have plenty of stuff about his trainer and the history there. But yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't want it to stop short, you know? He's got like a marijuana company now. Tyson? Tyson? Yeah. <laughs> I thought, I thought I guess yeah. it's like some really good shit. Ah, uh, that's crazy. Oh, God. Did you ever watch Mike Tyson's Mysteries, Joe? No, I remember you talking about it, though, and so it's in the back of my mind where if I ever see it in something where I'm flipping through st- streaming platforms, I'll watch it. You gotta watch it. It's fun. Nor- <laughs> you gotta watch it. Norm MacDonald is- great. Norm MacDonald is that pigeon is the funniest shit ever. Oh, uh, yeah. Anything with Norm MacDonald, I'm, I'm game for. He's one of the funniest people ever. It's so good. Uh, it's so good. Marvel News. You guys ready for Marvel News? Yes. Yep. Yeah, we're flying through shit this week, aren't we? News. News from comicbook.com. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, James Gunn reminds fans the movie is probably his last with the franchise. It would appear James Gunn's time with Marvel Cinematic Universe is coming to an end. Or at the very least, an end with the corner of the movie that helped transform him into a household name around these parts. In an Instagram Q&A Saturday afternoon, Gunn revealed Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 
is probably his last movie with the franchise, though. He made sure to point out the future is never set in stone. The filmmaker said his time on Guardians will probably be over with Volume 3. Not just that, he also doubled down on the fact it'll also likely be the last movie with the current heroes that make up the team. Quote, it's probably my last one, Gunn wrote, and probably the last with the current team. But you never know. And I think, like, okay, I can say this. I know he's talking with Batista. I know him and Batista are talking. And Batista's, Batista's, Batista, yeah, Batista's like, if, if you're not coming back to do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 4, I'm not coming back. I'm done. So, yeah, right then and there, we can say, like, that's the last of the team. Now, Vin Diesel, as much as he's friends with James Gunn, I, what do you think? Vin Diesel, would Vin Diesel come back for the paycheck and do, and do Guardians 4? Him and, and him and James Gunn are big time friends. They've done Facebook Live together. Um, him and Gunn are, 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 they're really good friends. Do you think James Gunn, I mean, honestly, I think they could get anybody to play Groot. I don't think you have to have James, uh, yeah. I think Diesel would come back. I think it's easy money. I, I bet he doesn't necessarily have to be there for the whole shoot. He, he can pursue other, pro- it's not like it's ever interrupted other movies he was filming doing this Groot role. Yeah. I, I think he loves the character. Um, I'm sure James Gunn would give him. It's not like he's going to be a traitor to James Gunn if he continues doing it post Gunn being gone. I, I think the difference between him and Batista is just, you know, I think he wants to do stuff for Batista, make Batista an even bigger star than he already is. And I think Gunn and Batista t- together could do that. Whereas, what does Van Diesel need at this point? He's a he's a global superstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still love Bloodshot. Joe, did you see Bloodshot? Dude, I've watched Bloodshot like six times. It's fucking amazing, isn't it? It's so fucking good. I loved it so much. It's so it, fucking it good. Made, yeah, it made me go through and, and read uh, two different iterations of the comic. There was like one from 2013 and maybe another from 2015. Uh, Jeff Lemire did first. it. Jeff Lemire did Bloodshot for a little bit, man. Yep, yep. I, I read that one. I, I read the first ten issues of both. Yeah. And, uh, the 2013 one, the, the first story arc of that like it was pretty damn close to what we got in the movie that bloodshot movie was fucking tupperware the fuck out of that <laughs> it was Dude, so much fun. I, I was so happy like you know like oh, i'm not happy about coronavirus but i'm glad that i got to see that movie in the fucking theater you know uh, guy pierce was great in that movie wasn't he he was really really good such a great villain perfect jesus christ people you haven't watched bloodshot what the fuck are you doing with your lives I hope they give that good a treatment to, to other Valiant titles as well. Yes. It'd be fucking dope to see a really good, a really well-realized Exo Man of War. Exo Man of War. I've always wanted to see. They're still talking about, they're still talking about that Shadow Man movie. I'd love to see a Shadow Man. I'd love to see a Ninja K one. There's so many good Quantum and Woody. Like there was rumors of a Quantum and Woody movie or a TV. Oh, fuck, that'd be fun. With, (laughs) they were talking, they were talking about Joel McHale being in the Quantum and Woody. He, like, Joel McHale. Right, I remember that. It's good casting. And I fucking, I see a Harbinger movie would be great. There's some, yeah. There's, there's some great Valiant comics. Like, I don't read them as much as like, 
you know, like as some people, there's some people that are 100% invested in the Valiant universe ever since, you know, even before it went away. And now that it's come back, there are people that are just, they read everything Valiant. Um, I, you know, I, I read Valiant here and there, but what I have read for the most part has been really damn good. And there's potential yeah. for a universe. So. They oh, did yeah. that stuff the original time. Like they did that. I loved the Unity crossover they did way back in the 90s when they had the original run with Valiant comic books. See, I wasn't reading Valiant back then. That was not even on my radar, Jake. It was like once Valiant made the return back in like 2012, 2013, that's when I first like made my dive into Valiant comics. Yeah, I remember, you know, Wizard used to have those top 10 most wanted back issue section. Yeah. Issues, and they were always just dominated by Valiant books. So my first Valiant book was actually Exo Manowar 1 because it was the first Valiant book to come out after seeing how hot they were on the back issue charts. So mm-hmm. initially I bought it just as something to squat on and maybe make money on in the future. But, you know, I would never buy anything that I didn't also read. And I just fell in love with it. And then... It was such a bore to read those other issues back then, and they finally came out with trades before Unity came out because they knew people couldn't get caught up because, like, the first issues of, like, Harbinger and Shadow Man were going for, like, hundreds of bucks, and they weren't even a year old. Yeah. Oh, fucking Shadow, Shadow Man's that, great. Go ahead. I was going to say, was that first issue of Exo Manowar you read, like, the 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 like the real start of it, like where it, it has him on the alien ship and yes. the dying alien gives him the ring and everything. Fuck. That's a cool arc. I have that in trade. Um, yes. I got it in like a deluxe hardback that, cause I had picked up one of the more recent Exo man wars. So I think my intro into it was in like maybe around 2016, 2017, somewhere in there. It was the Matt Kent run on Exo Manowar and it was it blew my fucking mind man like it was close enough to Iron Man but you know like very way different in that it's an, an alien technology in yeah the it suit. was like Iron Man mixed with Venom is kind exactly. of how I thought of it oh that's perfect dude that is, yeah it is, it's Iron Man meets Venom and, the, and then the fact that this is you know it's not like a modern man that has it it's like a fucking Visigoth who's somebody that was taken from Earth and like you know like the fucking 1100s or you know back when the roman army was was going through and sacking cities and stuff so you know he's like it's it's the added aspect of this you know man out of place of in time as well back to back to bloodshot that movie is a lot smarter than i think people give it credit for oh yeah i i I mean i know it's vin diesel it's vin I think, I get it. It has a really smart turn in it. It does. It does. It really does. It's so good. It's so fucking good. To our listeners, it's on sale for $9.99 until, uh, Monday night at 11 p.m. So you you hear this episode right away. Yeah. For those, it's worth every penny. For those three people that still listen when episodes first come out. The one person (laughs) that listens right away. Yeah. So we have the best listeners, Jake. We do. We really do have the best listeners in all of podcasting. Oh, I can't imagine better. It's and a great I'm, community. The and, leftover army is fantastic. And I feel like such a jack wagon for my the way I reacted last week with our listeners. And I like you're the you're the you're the most amazing people out there. Like you know, I guess I get yeah. I guess I was kind of like. 
poking you a little bit. I, w- I wanted to make sure. I used to, uh, do we still really have a leftover army? Does the leftover army still exist? Is this a thing? Are you guys still? Are you guys? Are you, are you guys still enlisted in this fucking thing? And they came through this week. The re- I mean, the iTunes reviews. We had six of them. They weren't fantastic, but we still had six yeah. of them. You know, it was quantity over quality. <laughs> it was quantity over quality. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna suck your dick too much, but you guys are fucking great. You guys are fucking great. I, I honestly think, like Jake, like they really pulled through when it came uh, down to your cat getting your operation with Maui. They really did. Oh yeah, and Maui's doing so much better now. He's still got his cone on, but they're telling us a couple more weeks, and I'll finally be able to get his cone off. I, yeah. I can't wait. I'm so glad that he's gonna be healthy and okay. And I can't, so, yeah, I can't thank the listeners enough for that. I don't see myself going anywhere and doing anything else but this every week. And I, you know, and I just, I do it because I enjoy it. I love talking to you. I love talking to the people in the leftover army. And I, I love the people that do get a kick out of this fucking show. So I'm going to continue to do it until, until my dying day, Jake, until my last days on this earth when I die. If you go first, I'll get a Ouija board and we'll talk to you that way. Oh my god. <laughs> that would be, dude, that would be cool. What do you think of Jurassic Park 17, Brian? Oh, T U P T. It doesn't matter how many Jurassic Park come out, dude. Dinosaurs, it's always a Tupperware for me, dude. It doesn't Wasn't matter. That? Wasn't there a sweet dinosaur valiant comic? What the fuck was that? Archer and Armstrong? I've heard of Archer and Armstrong. I never read it. Yeah, it was kind of like, or was it Turok? Was Turok the valiant comic? Turok was a fucking video game though, right? Yeah. No, but Turok was a video game based off a comic book. Well shit, dude. You're throwing out some fucking nuggets of bullshit I didn't even fucking know. (laughs) (laughs) Look at you. Oh, Turok was an adaptation of an Acclaim comics book series of the same name. Acclaim was also a video game company, spelled with a K. Acclaim. (laughs) (laughs) I have Turok for the original Game Boy still. That that seems like a franchise ripe to make a movie or a TV series out of. You think with that, you know, how much money these Jurassic World movies made that they would look at stuff like that? Why aren't they really doing Dino? No other big budget dinosaur well, movie. Why aren't they doing Dino Riders? Dino Riders, that's a that's a great property. Fucking Dino Riders, dude, dude, those dude, those Dino Riders toys were the shit back in the day. Oh yeah, they were the dinosaurs themselves. They were way better than the Jurassic Park. Fucking a. Joe, do you have any idea what we're talking about when we say Dino Riders? I don't remember Dino Riders, and I'm I'm racking my brain trying to remember what the Jurassic Park toys looked like. I they don't remember like, those either. They, they had looked this, like, like little flap of skin that you could peel off of them, and it like exposed underneath. It was like a little red spot underneath. It was the silliest thing I've ever seen. It was like this giant T Rex, and it, you're supposed to be excited that you could lift a flap of its skin up. For what reason, I still don't know. <laughs> Do you remember? You know what I'm talking about, Brian? I know exactly what you're talking about. It was kind of like, remember um, the Hot Wheels toys were like, if you wreck them, like they would flip and you could, it would have damage. 
Okay, it was like dino damage or some bullshit like that. Yeah, but there was those Hot Wheel toys where like you saw the hood of the car, but if you hit it in a certain way, it would like damage the hood of the car. Yeah, those were sweet as fuck. Yeah, and this was kind of like the same thing that they were doing with the the Jurassic Park toys is kind of like what I remember. Yeah, it just didn't work as well. I had He-Man that did the same things too. They had like, I had a He-Man and a Skeletor that were like battle damage, He-Man and Skeletor, and you, you would tap their chest and it would like, switch from normal chest to all beat up chest. I had a same thing like with me in my life where like people would <laughs> fuck me over and then it would damage my heart. And now I'm a jaded piece of shit that you listen to every week on PCL and I don't trust anyone and I hate life. Battle damage, Brian. Battle- <laughs> 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 that's that's why I'm this way. <laughs> I just Google these. I swear I had some of these toys. They look familiar. Mm. Dino Riders were fucking the shit, though. Oh God, what uh, what toy did I love when I was a kid? And they had a cartoon for a little bit. They were called like Air Raiders or something. Do you remember those, Jake? Air, what? Mm, Air Raiders, toys, Sky Raiders, Sky, it was Sky Raiders. Sky Raiders, Sky Raiders toys. I had the comic book and everything. Yeah, it was fucking Sky Raiders. You should look those up sometime. I think they're called fucking Sky Raiders. Yeah, let me go to this. Sky Commanders. Sky Raiders. Sky Commanders. It was Sky Commanders. It was Sky Commanders. I had a fucking ton of Sky Commanders when I was a kid. Um, it was these toys, Joe, where like, uh, um, you would, you would put these strings across your room and shit. And like, they had vehicles that would like swing down these strings and they would, I don't know, you'd have to look it up to make any sense. Yeah, I'm sense looking at them right now. I, yeah. So I totally know what you mean. Fucking Sky Commanders were the shit. I love Sky Commanders. It had a cartoon, I think, for a little bit. Oh man, I love my Sky Commanders. It made my room like a blast. I, I fucking would have like Sky Commanders just like fucking like hung up all in my room and they would battle each other. I fucking love Sky Commanders. I was a dumb fucking kid. <laughs> you were the Brave Star toys? You know Brave Star. Yeah, I remember Brave Star. I love, they were like quick draw cowboys that bought yeah. draw like zombies and they actually like would inter- interact with each other where you would see which one would shoot the other one first. Yeah, I remember Brave Star. Those were neat toys. They had a real short-lived cartoon for it, too, I believe. Mm-hmm. I'm they looking did. at pictures of the cartoon right now. The costumes are fantastic. <laughs> <sighs> what do we got? Marvel News. Uh, more Mar- Falcon and Winter Soldier News. I, I read an article on Dark Horizons where it's- it was stated, new set photos from Disney Plus and Marvel's the Falcon and Winter Soldier series have shown an extra carrying an insignia of the character Ogan, an ancient warrior who once served as a father figure of sorts to Wolverine and ties into the island of Madripoor, which was uh, which has previously been reported to tie into the new series production just days away from completion when it was shut down due to the coronavirus and uh, will shoot its remainder as soon as it is able to. So this article from Dark Horizons basically, uh, I, and I sent you and Joe the picture mm-hmm. earlier today and 
I went to direct.com, the direct.com, and on their site it says, in a new leak from Mur- Murphy's Multiverse, set photos have revealed an unknown actor slash extra decked out in a leather jacket with a red flaming skull on the back of it. It seems to tease some sort of interaction with a biker gang, possibly in the location rumored to be standing in as Madripoor. And Christopher Marcus pointed out on his Twitter account that the symbol bears a strong resemblance to the symbol of Ogun from the Death of Wolverine comic run. In the comics, Ogun is a Japanese martial arts master who is a nemesis of none other than Wolverine. While this is by no means a confirmation that Ogun will appear in the Falcon and Winter Soldier, the apparent teasing of his character, though, through this symbol is, intri- is an intriguing sign of where this show may go. So, you know, the first thing I read from Dark Horizons, they were like, yeah, this you got a character wearing the the, the insignia of, of Ogun. And and when you actually go to the source, it's 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 far it's far from confirmed that it's Ogun, but. You guys looked at it. You looked, you saw, I, I, I actually, I, I did a search for the mask of Ogan and I actually, I, when I sent that to you, I made that. I sent that to you, like the side by side comparison so you could see it yourselves. It looks like, it does look like the mask of Ogan that's, that's being portrayed on the back of this extra from this biker gang in the Falcon and Winter Soldier. It looks pretty dead on. Yeah, and not only does it look dead on, but it looks like it was even inspired by the art piece that you shared with us. Yeah. Like even, even the shape of his mouth from the mm-hmm. art piece to the, to the back of the jacket looks very inspired. Cause I want to get on here and be like, let's debunk this. Let's debunk this. Like, but it looks pretty dead on. What do you think, Joe? I thought it looked really dead on also. And then hearing that, that it's going to be potentially set in Madripoor, that's, that's the right location for it because that's where he ran into Ogan, you know, in the Death of Wolverine comic. And, you know, outside of that, that comic run, those four issues is, is the only experience I have with the character. And I think he was only maybe in, in issue three or something like that where, where his character was brought up. But it was, it was a, it was a memorable part in the comics because he like has a ability where he can jump into other people's bodies and kind of control them. And so, I mean, they could do some really cool stuff with that in the show. I've jumped into other people's bodies before and controlled them, but it was something called sex. (laughs) 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 I'm going to show you a magic trick. I'm going to make my wiener disappear. Yeah, I'm going to make it and I'm going to make you act in ways that you normally wouldn't. Sex, ta-da! You know, I mean. <laughs> Ogan. Uh, you know what the O stands for. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Show him your Ogan face. Um... <laughs> this guy's got it on the jacket. Dude, yeah. Dude, I don't Hypothetically, know. Hypothetically, he has it. <laughs> it. 
it could Falcon and the Winter Soldier be setting up like and, and I'm not saying like we're going to get like teases of Wolverine in this, but like this could be kind of like later on down the road. You know, think about think about um, think about how the MCU has been setting up things for a long time. Um, go, let's go back to 2008. Let's go back to the first movie, the movie that started the MCU. Let's go back to 2008's Iron Man. Think about how Iron Man set up, you know, the, the Ten Rings. The Mandarin and the Ten Rings. And now think about like what we're finally possibly getting into with, with Shang-Chi. I mean, we're going to get Shang-Chi. What is it called? Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? Yeah. Yeah. I believe that's correct. I mean, that, think about the long payoff there. Like we're finally, we're finally getting into that. You know, I mean, like, I don't know. Could, could, could the Falcon and Winter Soldier be setting up elements that'll eventually lead us into a Wolverine story down the road? Whether it be two, three years from now. I wouldn't put it past Kevin Feige that he'd be capable of doing that. And, and I'd be pretty excited if he has another long game plan like that in his head that, that he's cooking up. So it's entirely plausible that, well, it's not, that it, they could be setting something up like that. You're absolutely right. And it's, it's not one of those things like, like, I, yeah, I said two, three, four years down the road. I mean, this could be a decade down the road for all we know. Yeah, yeah, correct. I mean, it was about, what, five, six, seven years before the Thanos stuff paid off? Yeah. I mean, they they hadn't even cast Josh Brolin when we got our first look at Thanos at the end of Avengers. Not even in Guardians had they cast him yet, right? By the time we got to Guardians, that was Josh Brolin. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was the only in the uh the time that we saw him in Avengers that was uh they hadn't cast the actor yet. He he just turned around and smiled. But but by the time we're at Guardians, it's Josh Brolin. Yeah. Yeah, cuz he didn't have actual spoken lines until we got to Guardians, right? Exactly. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see like if you guys want to see these pictures, I guess if I can remember Tomorrow I'll fucking post a link that you can click on these pictures. Or just, I don't know. What do they say? It was on, uh, uh yeah, I don't know. I'll, Multiverse or whatever. At Murphy's Multiverse. No, there you go. There you go, fuckers. Yeah. What? Oh, oh shit. News from comicbookresources.com. Rumor. The Mandalorian's Deborah Chow in talks for MCU projects. Hot off directing, oh, wow. That'd yeah, be awesome. Mm-hmm. Hot off directing episodes of The Mandalorian, filmmaker Deborah Chow is reportedly being eyed for multiple multiple Marvel Studios projects. I got a question for you: If audiences love, if audience and critics love Deborah Chow's MCU projects, do you think that we're going to get a media outlet that titles one of their articles? Holy chow. We gotta, we gotta hit. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> for, for Deborah's sake. This is, somebody, somebody would be very butthurt over it. How? <laughs> what? Somewhere and take it very seriously. Her last name is Chow. If she has, if she fucking does a great job in the MCU, 
I would, I, if I was her and there's an article titled, holy chow, we got a hit, we got a hit on our hands here. I would I'd be. I'd love to see Deborah Chow be the one to fi- finally bring Nova to the small screen or big screen. I think she'd be perfectly fit for that. Nova. Like the Richard Ryder character. I know. Oh, Richard Ryder? So not Sam, Sam Alexander? No, I, I think the Richard Ryder character to kind of, you know, be a little bit similar to what she did with Mandalorian, but, you know, with a whole, like, Space Corps, like an actual group of people. I, she'd be great for that, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe uh, she could be involved in the Ms. Marvel stuff. The Kamala Khan. Yeah. Dude, I read an article recently that they like they're they're looking to cast Kamala Khan right now. Yeah, that's that's tough casting. I hope how big. Oh, it's not that. tough casting. What's the girl from uh, Cockblockers? The girl that played. Uh, oh yeah, she'd be great. What's the girl that played um, John Cena's daughter in Cockblockers? Viswanathan. What's her la- What's her fucking first name? I'm looking it up. Googling cock blockers is not the best. <laughs> I've not seen that movie, so I'm not sure. Well, it's her, actually very funny. Her, her last name, I believe, is Viswanathan. Yeah, Geraldine. Geraldine? That doesn't sound right to me. That's her first name. Geraldine? Yeah. Geraldine. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like an old lady. Maybe I'm on the porn version. Hold on, let me look at it. No, you're right, dude. Her name is Geraldine Viswanathan. She's Australian? Yeah, I never would have guessed. She was in... What the fuck? (laughs) That's the best reaction to a first name. Geraldine. (laughs) Geraldine. Right, Joe? That's an old-timey name. That's an old-timey name. Yeah, that's She's like have some sarsaparilla later. That's like yeah, <laughs> that's like you want to like I don't know like she's got spider veins and shit. <laughs> Butterscotch is in her pocket. Yeah, butterscotch. It's been Saturday night at the hop. She's taking a fucking bath with Epsom salts and shit. <laughs> Worried about being late for bingo. Oh my god, she went to bed at like four. <laughs> Trying to keep up with the young whippersnappers. <laughs> yeah, Matlock, Golden Girls, all that shit. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> we got all the old jokes out of the way. Um, I think Geraldine Voswanathan would be perfect for the the casting of Miss Marvel. I think that's the only casting for Miss Marvel, Jake. Yeah, yeah, she was great in Blockers. I I, I would be opposed to that. Uh, Deborah Chow for a Nova. Richard Ryder. I want Sam Alexander though, Jake. I want the young version. I'm not, I didn't dislike Sam Alexander. I just never, the history felt a little bit forced. Uh, Richard Ryder's the character that's been Nova since I was a kid. I'd hate to just skip past all that. Ah, here we go though. Here's my, here's my setup. Thanos decimated Xandar. We know that. That happened in the MCU. We get a shot. We get a shot here of of a decimated Xandar. And we see a young Sam Alexander 
and he's his father is dead. His father was a fucking Zandarian Novacore guy. And then he's like, we see him standing kind of like on Xandar, this young boy standing next to a Novacore helmet, his father's helmet. And then he's, he just takes on the mantle. And we kind of, I don't know, man, it just, it, it, that reminds me so much of kind of like, uh, that kind of like, like if, if they did that, that imagery just reminds me so much of like what we've seen like in Guardians of the Galaxy with like, you know, young Peter Quill, you know, being taken away from Earth and by, uh, what was Michael Rooker's fucking character's name? Um, oh, I'm blinding too. I kept thinking Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> 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 I'm totally blanking right now too. Well, it starts with an X, right? The, is, it, uh, is it? Is it? Is it? Is it Vigo Mortensen? Yondu. Yondu. Oh, I said. <laughs> I, there. I said Vigo Mortensen. That's the. <laughs> that's the actor that. <laughs> that's the actor that played Aragorn. Lord of the Rings. Um, I don't know, I, dude. I've always been kind of like. I've always kind of wanted to see. I've kind of always wanted to see them get, I've always wanted to see them kind of set up a new Avengers. And I think I, I, I'm, for me, it's always been like, if we're going to get Nova, I want to see young Sam Alexander. I want to see, you know, I know we're getting a Ms. Marvel. Kevin Feige promised us a Ms. Marvel. I loved what Mark Wade did with the dynamic between Young Sam Alexander and Ms. Marvel and his comic book run. It was an, it was like a Young Avengers book that he did. And I love that. I love seeing those two together. Um, see, I've only read the Jeff Loeb stuff when it comes to, uh, the Sam, Sam Nova. Well, it wasn't the best. I love the Jeff Loeb stuff. That, I think like that's, I, I love the Jeff Loeb stuff. I thought that was the most fun. Like the first six issues of that fucking new Nova run with Jeff Loeb, I thought were fantastic. Like, I can say whatever the fuck I want to about Jeff Loeb and what he did with, like, Marvel Television. I think he fucking shit the bed in a lot of Marvel tra- Television. But as far as, like, his comic book writing, as far as, like, dude, I love that first six issues of the Nova book. Yeah, I just thought the star of that first arc was more Rocket Raccoon than freaking Nova. Barely. Barely. Barely, like in the first issue, like him, him and Gamora trained him a little bit, and then like, then it was it it was it was a Sam Alexander story from that point on, in my opinion. Yeah, I love the art. Say, I'm pretty unfamiliar with this character. If if you were to go back and and read Richard Ryder stories versus uh, this other younger character, like, what are some some really good jumping on points for the the original character? Hmm. I would think the um, Abbott and Lanning take on Richard Ryder when um, Annihilation, I think, is a great place to pick up and read about Nova. There was a miniseries for Annihilation that kind of dealt with his origin. I think that's really good. Okay. Well, knowing that character the way you do, could you think of a scenario where they could kind of interject him into the MCU, like at least as we understand like the, the lay of the land right now? I just think you make him the last survivor of the planet. 
somehow he's the only one that escaped. And That's how like- I feel about Sam Alexander with it being a young boy. Like all the men fucking were battling Thanos and Thanos destroyed all of them. And now you're just left like with one sole survivor and it's the young boy, Sam Alexander. Yeah, I just feel like that's kind of cheating. You're, you're basically taking Richard Ryder and making him Sam Alexander. Like, to me, if they were going to do Sam Alexander, then he would already... He squirreled away on Earth and doesn't know about his heritage. And then he finds out. Yeah, that's how, that's how the comic book was. Like, his his father was a... Like, he was half human, half Xandarian. Doing it your way is like giving Sam all the good Rich Riders, Rich Rider stuff, you know? Like, at that point, just do Rich Rider. I'm just looking for, I just want a new Avengers movie eventually. I want him to introduce like all the young new Avengers and then like, you know, Ms. Marvel, uh, young Nova, uh, we got Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I mean, and you could even throw Shuri in there. I yeah, mean, I wouldn't poo-poo it. Like, don't get me wrong. Either way, I, I just kind of really want to see Nova finally get his due. Like, I wouldn't stop my feet if it wasn't Richard Ryder. Ah, fuck. It. You're right. I would prefer. I'm not going to fucking piss and moan. As long as you get a Nova movie, I'm happy. Yeah, that, that's where I'm at with sure. it. Sure. Sure. We're just, we're just, I, yeah, we're just fucking, we're just like, we're just, uh, which Nova do you want? Do you want the little, I little boy? I want to see Nova more than I want to see Adam Warlock. And it sounds like I'm going to see Adam Warlock way sooner. Oh, we, dude, but what if, what if we get fucking Mark Hamill as Adam Warlock? That would be, that would be really cool. Dude, I mean, seriously, think about, think about all the fucking talks that happened before, you know, James Gunn was fucking, you know, fired from Marvel. He was having talks with, on Twitter. With Mark Hamill. And Mark Hamill... I feel, like, I feel like the Adam Warlock stuff might be disappointing to fans, though. I feel like he's going to be more of a, a one-and-done character than something that they're really going to expound upon. Sure. Like, it's going to be a bit of a Mandarin effect where people are going to be upset. Because we've already kind of done all the big storylines. But they Adam said Warlock there's going to be a real Mandarin. They said... I, I, we've been... We've, we've had hints that there's going to be a real Mandarin, and it sounds oh, no, like... no, I get that. I was just kind of making a comparison to what could possibly happen. Like, I think yeah. James Gunn may, may treat the character as a little bit of a more comedic character than people are used to, and there's a potential to really upset fans with the rendition of Adam Warlock that we might see in Guardians 3. Yeah. DC News, what did you guys think about the Snyder Cut tease that we got? Uh, Jake, I know you're not impressed. I mean, it's it was okay. It's It wasn't anything surprising, right? When we ta- first talked about the Snyder Cut, one of the first questions you asked is, you know, will Darkseid be in it? And we all said yes, and lo and behold, right? No big shock. Well, we knew that there was an actor that had already voiced, what was it, Ray Porter or whatever they were talking about? Had already voiced lines for for dark side they showed a young dark side i think that that's the rumor here is like it's a young dark side dark side's like i guess isn't dark side the nephew of stefan wolf i believe that's correct i you'd have to fact check me on that yeah i don't know hey, did you guys watch like uh i would highly recommend if you want to see all the easter eggs that were dropped in that snyder cut you know, 34 second teaser. I would recommend watching. It was Screen Crush did a video where they talk about all the Easter eggs 
in that Snyder Cut 34 second tease. I would highly recommend doing a Google search for Screen Crush Snyder Cut Easter eggs. It's pretty fascinating. I was kind of blown away by all the research they did. Yeah, just for that small little clip, huh? Mm-hmm. 34 seconds, and they actually really pack it with a ton of Easter eggs that you see. And, and yeah, yeah. Did you say Screen Crush or Screen Rant? Screen Crush. Okay, okay. Yeah. I, I didn't even see this clip. There was like a teaser trailer for the Snyder Cut? 34-second teaser trailer for the Snyder oh, Cut. Oh, shit. I'm going to have to look that up. They use, they okay. use audio. Um, they use uh, Jesse Eisenberg's line um, for like the bells have rung. They use that line that he uses at the end of Batman v Superman in this. There's some new stuff here with Diana. But behind Diana, you can see like there are illustrations on a wall behind her of the mother boxes. And, um, yeah, I would tell you what, I will actually, I will post the link to the Easter egg video that screen crush did. It is, it is really good. They did a great job of breaking down this trailer and, um, talking about some of the connections that it has. And it still possibly could have connections with the Wonder Woman movie that's coming out, Wonder Woman 1984. I was kind of blown away by that as well. Like, like, why would you do that? If you're really done with the Snyderverse, why would you have connections with, uh, with the Snyder cut here? I don't know, but, and, and they were talking about kind of like, um, the crystal that you see in this and how it might be the same crystal that, uh, gives, uh, Maxwell Lord powers in, uh, Wonder Woman 1984 able, you know, basically uh, allows him to grant wishes and shit like that for people. And that's what brings Steve Trevor back and all this other bullshit. So, but I would, I would watch that screen crush. Um, uh, yeah, I'll try to remember to post the link in the, in the show notes. Sweet. Star Wars news. What do we got here? What was that? What was that? I heard like a little snicker there. You just seem so uninterested in it by your <laughs> yeah. outfit. What, the Star Wars news? Star Wars news. <laughs> we got to, I told you what, I got, we, we got some good Star Wars news here. Um, this is, this, okay. is, this is exciting. This is, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll start with this. This is from Dark Horizons, the final episode of the behind the scenes docuseries Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian has revealed that Mark Hamill lent his voice to the droid character EV99. In the Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian, the droid is the same one from Return of the Jedi responsible for registering new droid acquisitions in yes. Jabba the Hutt's palace. He appears in the fifth episode, which takes place on Tatooine. So that was Mark Hamill. Sweet. Wow. He's the feisty one guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually Mark Hamill in... In the movie too? No, 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 no. In the Mandalorian. Okay, okay. 
God, Jake. <laughs> I thought that was like a long, like, no one ever knew this, but Mark Hamill was the voice of this character. No, I feel bad for, like, talking about how great you were earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, man, I feel stupid now. When you do dumb That's shit like... You I felt stupid when you were saying it. Well, when you do dumb shit like that, <laughs> it just makes me look dumb. Okay. Yeah. I choice and co-host. I get it. I ruined Star Wars news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to edit this out. <laughs> StarWarsNews.com Ewan McGregor confirms Kenobi Disney Plus series will use the same visual effects technology featured in The Mandalorian. I think this is kind of like a no shit, but on the flip side, it's like good to know, isn't it? Isn't it? Like it's a no shit. It's like a no shit. Like that, that technology is like, it's amazing. That technology, it's, um, what are they, what are they calling that technology? Hold on, let me read this. In an interview with Ace Universe, McGregor was asked what lessons from his prior experience in Star Wars he might take with him in his return to the franchise. He said, quote, I think I am going to enjoy it much more. The prequels were all blue screen and green screen, and it was hard to imagine. But nowadays, I think things have moved on so much, and I think a lot of what you see is going to be what we see on the set. I don't know if you've seen the behind the scenes of the Mandalorian series, but they employ that incredible screen. It's pretty amazing. It makes you feel like you're in the place. It's going to feel realer for us actors. Realer? Is that a word? Realer? Um, I guess to him it is right then and there. Ewan, what are you doing? Realer? <laughs> it's going to make my bad sentences seem realer. It's going to feel, he should have said, it's going to feel more real. Yes, correct. Ewan says it's going to feel realer. (laughs) 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 It's going to feel realer. He says it's going to feel realer for us actors, and I think we'll be using some some of that technology. I fuck up shit all the time. I shouldn't be getting on Ewan for saying something dumb. Oh, no. No, I can't blame him. It's gonna feel Still real. probably woozy from being on those prequel sets. It's true. It's true. Uh, if you haven't been fully dialed into the making of the Mandalorian, the volume is the state of the art room encompassing connected series of screens that create fully realized environments and settings for locations. The technology is so good that the cast and crew cannot tell the difference between objects on the screen with real objects in the room. This is a massive leap from what McGregor is used to from his work on the prequels, where most times he found himself having to completely imagine his settings and surroundings and even sometimes his co-stars. So, yeah, it sounds... Dude... I mean, it's kind of like a no shit thing, but it's also nice just knowing that they're going to use the same technology here in the Obi-Wan series. There might be people that thought they were going to try to like 
making an homage to the way the prequels looked since yeah. it, you know that's the last time we saw this character yeah. so this probably eases a few people's thoughts well I think it eases fucking Ewan McGregor's thoughts too like thank god I don't have to do that fucking bullshit that we were doing back in fucking you know the late 90s early 2000s with all this green screen bullshit thank god I get to use the same technology that Warner Herzog was like fucking like you know jizzing all over in every interview. <laughs> totally. I can't imagine how hard that was on those on those actors in the It's got to be prequels to do that. I mean, it, it ugh. There's not many actors that can do it to that that can react on green screen to in to something that's not there. Yeah, it's a testament to how good Ewan was just, you know, being as iconic as he was, yeah. and, you know, how high regard we still hold him for that role. It was not easy work, and you could tell just from watching the movies that not everyone was good at it. You know who's not good at things is me and this podcast. I Jesus Christ! I should I hang it up, Jake? Should like seriously? Should I just hang? <laughs> no. I, I this episode, you're like you're gonna do it until you die. And now you're yeah. You hang it up. <laughs> just, oh, I, dude, dude, it's a cycle. It's a cycle of emotions with me. I'm all over the place. <laughs> You know what I mean? I, I feel like a woman on her menstrual cycle right now. Like I, you know, like what? I don't know. I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm just bouncing all over the place. Yeah, I thought I'd have quite a few years to buy this Ouija board. Now I feel like I have to go buy it once we finish this episode. I don't know, man. Yeah, you might not be talking to me next week. So you I'll might just replace you with a magic eight ball. Yeah, it, it'll be. Trust me, it'll be an improvement. <laughs> this, this this story comes from StarWarsNews.com. Have you gone to MakingStarWars.net lately, Jake? No, that seems like a shit show right now. Dude, they have not had, like, I love Jason Ward. I do. But, like, they haven't had an article since, like, April. And yeah, they he's haven't. on the DL. Yeah, they haven't done, like, an episode of their podcast for, like, three months or some shit. It's weird. Something's, I don't know what's going on over there. Yeah, I could talk, I could talk to you about that off air. <laughs> That's, okay, yeah, we'll talk about that off air. <laughs> this next story comes from StarWarsNews.com. New details on Ahsoka's appearance in The Mandalorian Season 2. I am no Jedi, but we have learned some very interesting details about Ahsoka Tano's appearance in The Mandalorian Season 2. And not just details on her physical appearance, but also a vibe on the type of role she will play in the show. There are no story spoilers ahead, but if you want to go into the show as fresh and spoiler-free as possible, then do not proceed. So um, they go on to say, through discussions with several reliable contract uh, contacts over the past couple months, we've learned some pretty cool information on Ahsoka Tano's live-action debut in The Mandalorian, played by Rosario Dawson. We are leaving out anything that could spoil any story points and just wanted to share these cool bits of uh, cool bits for those that have kept reading and are on the Ahsoka live-action hype train. Uh, Ahsoka's look in The Mandalorian. Ahsoka will be wearing a dark gray hooded robe and have a look much more similar to her final appearance in The Clone Wars than her Gandalf the White appearance at the end of Rebels, even though that was the last time we saw her in the canon timeline before The Mandalorian. 
she will likely first appear with the hood on, but fear not, her famous Togrutu Leku head tails will be on full live action display during her appearance on the show as she will be removing the hood. Ahsoka will use a lightsaber in the Mandal- in the Mandalorian. Many have speculated if we'll see Ahsoka use lightsabers in the Mandalorian, and the answer is yes. Ahsoka will be wielding a blue bladed lightsaber. We could not confirm whether she'll have a second lightsaber, but we speculate she will. It's possible a second lightsaber could be a different color, but the significance of her having a blue blade and not white would lead us to believe. She has in some way once again embraced the ways of the, of the Jedi, so expect her to be igniting at least one blue lightsaber in the show. Um, they're talking about a blue lightsaber. Go ahead, Jake. I was going to say, I would pretty disappointed if we didn't get to see her with light, at least a lightsaber. Like, I kind of hope for a little bit more than that. Agreed. Here's the thing. If she's rocking a blue lightsaber... Could this be Anakin's blue lightsaber? Could this be the blue... Hold on. Could this be the blue lightsaber that was lost by Luke in Cloud City in Empire Strikes Back? And could we see Ahsoka in her own series going forward go to Maz's castle and give it to Maz Kanata? The same lightsaber. I hope so. Just close that gap. That's what I'm saying. The same lightsaber that Ray is drawn to in The Force Awakens. This closes the gap. It shows us how the lightsaber got to Maz. Yeah, I love that idea. I hope, I hope that's 100% true. That would put a nice little bow on it. And I mean, you'd think it would be something that maybe the, the fan base wouldn't be divided on, but, I mean, knowing the Star Wars fan base, they'll probably piss and moan about anything. Well, we didn't get the answer in, in the, the, the newest movie, so we, you know, you're, no, we, were, we, didn't. we were promised the answer. Maz said, like, that's a story for another time, so. J.J. was too busy fucking countering everything Ryan Johnson did to worry about fucking answering the <laughs> own questions he posed. That's true, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's crazy. It's it's like you wrote that knowing that at the time when you wrote it, you wrote it knowing you wouldn't have to worry about finding the answer for it. And then once it became him, he was just like, oh, who cares? It still blows my mind that Disney took a multi-billion dollar three movie project and didn't start with a fucking outline. Like, that's that's just blows my mind. Like, it, and I wasn't like a huge detractor of, of Rise of Skywalker, um, you know. But it, I just, how do you not have a fucking outline? You know that all three of these movies are going to be, you, they're going to have to all jive together. It's, it's just, it's, I think it, it's almost I like it they cool skipped idea. step one. I think it's a cool idea, but you have to have thick skin. And you can't let fandom dictate the directions that you go. That's super, that's really true. Because once you start venturing into those internet fucking message boards and start reading everybody's opinion, all it's going to do is fuck you up. Yeah, I feel like JJ would have made a better movie if he would have went with his gut instead of just trying to retroactively fix all the things people seem to be upset about. It felt like he was doing a job more than telling an interesting story. I, it's very unfortunate. 
I like the idea of just like let's pass the baton between these three creative guys and see what we what we end up with, you know. Uh, to me, that's way more interesting than, oh, the masses think guy number two fucked up, so let's get guy number one back to retroactively fix everything. Yeah, and see, and I'm all about seeing people collaborate like that and seeing what they can come up with, but maybe not as finished movies. Like, maybe get them together in a room for a weekend first and see what they come up with. Yeah, there's got to be a happy medium. I think there's something to be said, though, about just letting different writers and different people try their luck. Like I, I applaud them for not just copying what was already a success with the MCU, which they could have easily done. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. So at least I did for the first two movies. Yeah. And, and I'm really putting my own spin on it there too, because like every time that like, it, you know, cause I write and stuff and, and, and if I'm doing something that's, that's huge, like I'd feel lost without some sort of outline to go back to. So I'm probably, you know, putting my own, <laughs> putting my own spin on it as well as that I, uh, you're not wrong. It would have been more cohesive that way. A hundred percent. I mean, compared to what we got, I agree with you. I would have rather it been the way, the way you're saying. So it's unfortunate that the last movie was more of a band-aid than a creative movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause especially after last Jedi was so different, but, but like I said, I wasn't a detractor for, for rise of Skywalker. I can still watch it and enjoy it, but every single, <laughs> every single inconsistency and plot hole that people point out, it's like, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I, lo- I love the stuff on Pisana and. I loved Kylo Ren in that movie, but overall it was a huge letdown as the final chapter in the Skywalker saga. It wasn't like the cap that I think that Skywalker saga should have ended with. No, it's the worst of the three finales for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh God, yes. Yes, like, I will take the, I will take fucking Revenge of the Sith any day over what we got in The Rise of Skywalker. It's not even close to me. It's not even close, not even close, not even close. You're 100% correct. 100% correct. But the first two movies just started off so fantastic. Like the first two movies were so good. It's just that I think that's what, that's what kills me so much is that third movie mm-hmm. just ruins the whole trilogy. I, I hate saying that too. I hate saying that, 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 um, one movie can ruin like the whole trilogy, but I, I feel like it happens, man. Maybe it happens. One was one of my all time favorite movies for yeah. years after I saw it. And then Matrix two literally ruined it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it knocked it out of my top 100. Like, <laughs> it was so bad to me. Yeah, and then the third one really cemented that. By the right? third one, it was a joke to me. Yeah, it didn't even matter. The third one was so terrible, I've only watched it once. And I remember walking out of the theater going, what the fuck did they do? That was terrible. 
Oh, yeah, it, I don't, it was very bad. Well, the Wachowski's never the motorcycle scene in the second one. The Ducati, the Ducati scene was amazing in the second one. That scene where they're fighting those fucking twins, yeah, from beginning to end. That that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. but a lot of the other stuff in 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 that's in Reloaded just sucks, donkey dick. It's so yeah. fucking bad. Yeah. There's parts in it where the CGI looked absolutely terrible as well. Oh, the Agent Smith fight looks like yes. garbage. It looks like <laughs> robot chicken. <laughs> it just it doesn't look like it was fully rendered animation. It's just bad. I, th- the Wachowskis well, I don't know why they don't special edition that shit. Well, the Wachowskis, didn't they Didn't they say like they only intended to have one movie and it was the studio that was kind of like... Oh, Let's... no, they've never admitted to that. I've always perceived that to be the case. But they've, they've stuck to their guns. They've never in an interview admitted that it... It was only supposed to be one. Movie. Oh, really? I, cause like, 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 I, I guess like I've always just kind of like assumed that like it was only supposed to be the one movie, you know? Like that, that's kind of one of the reasons I lost respect for them is cause they became such, it felt like to me lying chills for the franchise that was never meant to be a franchise. Yeah. It was, it felt, it was after the fact that they were like, well, this is always in, uh, intended to be a trilogy. So mm-hmm. guess what? We're going to film the next two back to back. Right. Like, to me, like, all the signs are there. I mean, it's exactly like Back to the Future. It was only meant to be one movie. And when the studio wanted more, they filmed two back to back. That's what you do when you're <laughs> trying to be a shill and make more money off of something that's popular, you know? Yeah. And not that any way, like the quality of Back to the Future 2 and 3 compared to Matrix 2 and 3, but it's still the same practice. You strike while the iron is hot. Yeah, and then they also fell into that trap where they made a character that was so powerful that it seemed like they had a hard time writing for him afterwards. Correct. Neo lost his way. Like, in the first movie, you are Neo. As an audience member, you learn everything at the same pace Neo learns it. And then by the second movie, he's completely eclipsed everyone in the audience, and you don't even relate to the character anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and... I don't know. I mean, they say that that's the same reason a lot of stru- uh, writers struggle with writing like Superman is that it, it can be hard to, you yeah. know, come up with, yeah. oh, I'm going to have Superman do this. And then it's like, well, he could immediately use power, you know, A, B or C to get past this. Oh, fuck. How do I, you know, so I, I can kind of see where they came from with it, but they should have just left it because the way that the Matrix ended, I, I number one, I love that we've gone from Star Wars to the Matrix on this, <laughs> but the way that that first Matrix movie ended, it was perfect. And it is, they, they did fuck it up by going back and doing more. Well, and now, now it, we're getting it, Matrix four. That's I, right. I, oh, I don't know fuck. what it can do. I, 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 I do not anticipate that movie at all. So, I mean, they're going to start resume film. Out. They're going to resume filming in like July or August. So. Yeah, everyone, Carrie Ann Moss is coming back. Yeah. Well, she died. She dies in all three of them. It's fucked up. Like, how the fuck? I I, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's possible that through some plot point they can redeem the goofs they made, but it's highly unlikely. The best I can hope for are some really fun, kinetic action sequences. Not looking forward to really the story and where it goes. Yeah, I would totally co-sign that. I mean, outside of the fight sequences that they have in it, if if they're not mind-blowing, then they better have a goddamn good plot. (laughs) 
but but man, from what they gave us for two and three, I just I don't have high hopes for a fourth one. I, I I think the fourth. I, I'll just say it right now. I think the fourth one's going to be garbage. Oh yeah, uh, agreed. Agreed. Like I said, cross my fingers for at least two good action sequences, and that's the best I can hope from that movie, in my opinion. It's going to be the equivalent of fucking Independence Day, that sequel, whatever the fuck that was called. Ooh, I, I hope it's a little bit better than that. No. Jake, it won't <laughs> be. or whatever. It won't be. Yeah, regurgitations. Yes. <laughs> it, it's not going to be any better. <laughs> I brought, I can tell you right now, it's not going to be any better than that. Yeah, I, I'm not going to argue that Matrix Four is going to be good. You're not going to con me into that. <laughs> <laughs> I have z- I have zero hope for Matrix Four. Yeah, I I, ex- I completely agree. Yeah, it uh, falls in the category of why are you doing this? Yeah, I mean, and they're not. If they would just come out and say we're doing it as redemption for those last two stinkers we made, then I'd I'd sit up and pay attention. But they're not saying that. Well, one of the Wachowskis isn't even doing it. No, it's just one of them, huh? I think, was it Lana is doing it? And like the other one's like, fuck that. I, I don't want to be associated with that shit anymore. Yeah, it also feels like uh, we're coming back to the thing that made us money after we failed these four other things that made us no money. It feels like coming back to the well because they were forced to, not because they have some amazing creative idea again for the for the well. Right. Yeah. And that right there makes it a terrible idea. Yeah. It's like, you don't go back if you don't got a good idea. Mm-hmm. It's like you did that with two and three and it sucked. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Three was just the worst. Yeah. By three, I was already like nothing could be saved, in my opinion. Like, I, I agree that three is the worst movie, but two is the one that really pains my soul. Well, yeah, they should have stopped at the first one. Agreed. I mean, they should have stopped at the first one. The first one just was just the perfect. It was perfect. It was so perfect. It was so good. It was so yeah, mind, fantastic. Mind-blowing. Mind blowing. one of the best movies of that year. Yeah. N- 19... 19- Acting the the soundtrack for it was fantastic. When I think of everything about that movie was great. When I think of 1999, I think of two movies. I think of The Matrix and I think of Fight Club. Yeah, I also think of Episode One. Those are the three movies for me. When I thought when I think about good movies, I think about Fight Club. All right, so yeah, we're having some technical difficulties here with the equipment, so we're just (laughs) we're just gonna wrap this shit. We're just talking about The Matrix anyway, so. Yeah, I think they were trying to shut us down. They don't want us to say any bad stuff about the Matrix. Hey, fucking Hugo Weaving. Is, it, is that his name, Hugo Weaving? Yes. Yeah. Mr. Anderson. Mr. That was a one-two punch for him, Lord of the Rings, and then Matrix right afterwards. Yeah, what else has he done? V for Vendetta. Captain America. Yeah, oh, one, uh, one time. <laughs> Played Red School one time. Didn't like it. I didn't like it. Wasn't he really allergic to the makeup? I had heard that he didn't like the the makeup, the prosthetics and stuff. He had a really bad time with it, and and that led to him having a bad time on the set. He was fucking great in that role, though. It was too bad. Yeah. 
Who was, oh God, it was the guy from Walking Dead that played the Red Skull in Endgame or Infinity War. Who was it? Uh, like Marquand or something like that? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Marquand. Uh, fuck, he played Aaron in The Walking Dead. Ross, was it Ross Marquand? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. It's been fun, hasn't it, fellas? Yeah. It's been great. <laughs> yeah. I always have the best time talking with you guys. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Do we want to pull that thread? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Oh, what are we talking about next week? What's next week? Is next week 4th July, Jake? No, it's not 4th no, July. No, that's two weeks. It's two weeks. What are we doing next week? Let me look this shit up. I'm going to wrap this shit up. Joe, what's going on with StarCast? What are you doing? I need to get another episode going. I've just had a bunch of other shit going on recently, and so I haven't had time to get one scheduled, but I will. It's not gone. Oh, next week's going to suck. Yeah, nothing. Uh, we, there's My Spy comes out on Amazon, the Dave Batista movie. Mm. And then uh, Eurovision, which is the uh, Will Ferrell comedy, where it's like, I guess it's making fun of the Fire Festival thing. That's going to oh, be okay. terrible. Sounds terrible. It's going it to be terrible. terrible. It's going to be terrible. Oh, my God. Will Ferrell. Remember when he was funny? Not really. Oh, in the 90s, he was pretty funny. <laughs> he was funny on SNL. I'm biggest fan. Uh, he has a couple SNL sketches that really kill me. The one where they make him vomit by spinning them around on the pedestal. His Neil Diamond really cracks me up. His uh, Harry Carey was really good. Ah, that's a good one as well. That's a good one as well. SNL think, is definitely the high for me for Will Ferrell. I think Step Brothers was great. Step Brothers was nights. great. And I, I think that's about it. I think that's like Will Ferrell. I think Talladega Nights is funny in clips, but watching the entire movie is a chore. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. It, like, it's just way too much ridiculous all. All in one dose. All in one dose. I, I can take it in clips. Like, oh my god, that clip. I'm the same way with, uh, I love Napoleon Dynamite, but I just love watching Napoleon Dynamite in clips. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, know. Napoleon Dynamite's one of those movies that I've never been able to make it through. I've seen plenty of clips of it, but I've never been able to watch the whole movie. Yeah. So I, I can totally relate to what you're saying if you yeah. feel the same way about Talladega Nights. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was it, hey, what, did I ask you what was going on with Starcast? What are you doing with that thing? <laughs> he said he needed to do another episode. Isn't that, isn't that, hey, hold on. Isn't that always the case with Starcast? Yeah, pretty much. Ouch. <laughs> Dude, it has the most erratic schedule. It, it, it yeah, it's, well, and also being the, the you know it's most of the episodes are just one on one yeah i feel like if i if i've got like a lot of clutter in my brain it's it's a really big risk that it's going to be a terrible fucking episode mm-hmm. so it's it's one of those ones where i i kind of have to be in the right 
place mentally to do it. And I've just had so much other shit going on that it's like, I, I don't want to do a one-on-one with somebody in, in fucking suck. Am I listening to an episode of excuse cast right now? Pretty much. <laughs> I'm really good at that. That's <laughs> 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 Jake, am I a dick? Uh, slightly. <laughs> I have big shoulders. I could take it, Brian. <laughs> and you, you haven't said anything incorrect. So. Dude, no, like there, there was a time where like you hadn't come out with an episode in probably like seventeen years. <laughs> and then, do you remember when I gave you shit about that? And then, like a week later, you had an episode. I know shaming works. I know I shame you into making all this fucking shit. Like shaming doesn't work, and it's like no, shaming works fantastic. I shame you into making content. (laughs) Your listeners should be happy that I'm here to fucking chastise you, (laughs) keep you in check. I do this every fucking week, Joe. Yeah, I know. Do you know the hell I go through? It's got to be tough. You know the hell I go through in my life? I bet it's a lot. It's a fucking it's a, a, a goddamn burden. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just the amount of content you watch, and then you've always got really good notes prepared and stuff. It's You, you put a lot of work into it, and it shows. That's why you got a good show, man. It's, uh, it's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and also, StarCast is one of those ones where I'll finish recording an episode, yeah. and like, I'll just be like, Jesus, I suck. I'm uh, so fucking ter- like there's some episodes where it's like I'll get done recording it and it's like I I know I should listen to it because it's the only way you get better at doing things and that's true. And especially when it's just one on one conversation. It's but it's like, dude, it's and, and I've texted with you about this before that that it's it can be a real struggle sometimes just being like should should I keep doing this? It's it's like I like doing it and I and I get a good response for it, but sometimes it's like like I feel like I'm not good at it and I shouldn't do it and it and it just turns into this crazy fucking struggle and this mental game and, uh-huh. and I'm sure I make a bigger deal out of it than I should in my head and it's probably something that that a lot of creatives you know go through with with stuff that they do and so yeah I do I it all excuse cast. I, no, I do it all. I, no, I was using that joke at your expense to make my show better. Well done. <laughs> I was blowing out your candle so mine would glow brighter. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, was, I was looking at your shortcomings so that I could make my show. Jesus Christ. You hear that shit going on outside? What is that? A drag race? It's fucking drag race or somebody's fucking weed whacking at fucking 11 o'clock at night. Um, but, uh, Joe, yeah, I think, don't we get in our heads as podcasters? Y- yes. I, I know the, I do very much so. And, <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it it can be a struggle. I mean, it it's is. one of those things that is super rewarding. But like, I've I've always had this sort of personality where I I'm my harshest critic. Yes, and and, and I'm harder on myself 
than than anybody else. I I I know where the cracks are and the imperfections are in the things that I create, and so yeah. it can be challenging uh-huh. to 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 go back and do it. And in the, the fact that that you know you've kept PCL on a schedule, a weekly schedule for so long, and I mean, kudos to you, dude, that that you've been able to keep up with that and and keep facing that battle and coming out on top and, and releasing more content because it's something that I should I could definitely be better about. Oh, it's well, I mean, like uh, our our shows are completely different as far as like the content and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's not like you're doing like the weekly news and and all that stuff. So it's like. A, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. I don't yeah, know people's do stories are timeless where the news kind of has an expiration date. If you don't talk about it that week, what's the point in talking about it the week after? But let me just say this. I think that, I think that Joe, God damn it. I think you're a fucking great podcaster. Like I, like I think it is all in your head. Like I think like, like when I listen to you, it doesn't, it doesn't come off as like some like lack of confidence or like, oh my God, this guy's like fucking lost. He doesn't know what he's fucking. I like, like when I listen to Joe, I think Joe's pretty confident. Like I listen to myself. Like if I think back to like me, this episode, like, oh my God, what a fucking train wreck of a human being. Yeah. That, and that's how I think of myself after every episode. Like I I want the guy from, (laughs) I want the guy from no country for old men. With that fucking nail gun to fucking shoot me in the fucking head and put me out of my misery this episode. That's what I need. Yeah. Oh, That's man. a movie I need to revisit. I've, I've only seen that in the theater. It was great, though. It was a great movie. Jo- was it Josh Brolin and then that guy yeah. with the weird bowl cut? He was the guy with the nail gun, right? With the the nail gun. gun. Have been in the- anything since? He's been in other things, but like that's like his claim to fame. He was born for that role. They're doing crazy fireworks by my house. I apologize. I can't hear is that, shit. Is that Javier Bardem? Javier Bardem. How did you? How did see? And you think I you're a know. terrible podcaster, and you're pulling out Javier Bardem? <laughs> that's all it takes, man. I could have any other fuck nut on this show, and they're not. They're not saying Javier Bardem. I got very lucky. I just pulled that name out of a hat. Oh my god, that was incredible. Joe, you're you're an amazing human being. Thank you for being on the show this week. Well, thanks, man. Thank you for inviting me. I seriously, I always have the best time coming on and talking with you guys. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've known you guys long enough to where, you know, it's like I'm I'm hanging out with my friends when it, when I come on here, and so it's fantastic. It's cool to come on and shoot the shit with you guys. Oh my god. Am I blonde with big tits? Stop bullshitting me. Jesus. <laughs> that, that wasn't bullshit. He was basically saying, yeah, I agree. You guys suck. But Jake, I was, so I have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to make a joke, Jake. Um, <laughs> guys, we'll be back next week with episode 300. What a 339? Is this 338 this week? Don't ask me. I can't get past 27. 27? What are you talking about? I'm just, I'm just making fun of an inability to count. Yeah, next week will be 339. We'll be back with 339. Joe, thank you. People can listen to you on Startcast and Number One Comic Books. We're gonna, we're gonna record again, right? Number One Comic Books? Yeah, absolutely, dude. I mean, yeah. comics just started coming out again. So. Yeah. 
we're ready to make our triumphant return. All right. Just like all good leftovers saying the doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with episode 339. See you. Later, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and give a shaft of crap, even though it is shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture, leftovers.